during the age of constant connection, there is a force like gravity that shapes the inner and outer boundaries of our media. The pure force of signal, the pressures and colors of knowledge, the invisible barrier. The ears of many hear the story of few, and few can relate. This connection of orbiting voices is the next paradox of the century. Hey, priests gotta have fun too sometimes, and at least not with fucking little children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, I feel like that's mostly a Catholic priest thing, to be fair. Hey, I grew up Catholic, so, you know, you gotta watch out for them. Gotta keep an eye on you. Uh, yeah, no, fuck those kids. I mean, don't fuck those kids. <laughs> Morning, fam. Oh. What up, diligent? I also grew up Catholic, and uh, although I was never molested or anything, it was still somehow like common knowledge that that was a thing. Like none of my friends told me or anything. I just learned from like TV and pop culture. And I'm like, if everybody knows this, like, why is this organization still a thing? Yeah, it's like it's fucking crazy. Like the fact that like society could just like shrug that off and be like, oh, like yeah, sure, those Catholic priests raped little boys, but like we like Jesus. Like, dude, what? Oh, yeah. No, in the Midwest, I was in one of the dioceses or somewhere. I don't fucking know how to fuck up. I, I was in Catholic school for fucking nine years, and I still don't know how the thing works. But, uh, yeah, they had, uh, like, this whole scandal of them, like, shipping priests around. So when there was suspicion that, you know, oh, well, we're just going to move them to a new, new thing. And that happened a lot in my area. But uh, I don't know of anybody, actually, in my school or anybody that uh, was affected by it directly. But, um, yeah, nah, the one place is a little bit handsy. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm not going to go be fucking altar boy. <laughs> Skip that one. Yeah, dude, like, that was, I lived in one town for a little while when I was a teenager that, like, there was, like, a big Catholic church in the town, and it was just, like, common knowledge that, like, they had these, like, altar boys who, like, lived at the church, like, with the priests, and, like, they were all, like, 12 to 14 years old and like super young looking like all of them were like super 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 young looking and they just like lived with the priests and like didn't talk to anybody in the town it was like it was mad fucking weird dude (laughs) that's uh that is pretty pretty freaking sketch yeah dude like i you know i'm i'm about as pro christianity as anybody but the catholic church is mad fucking weird. Even if, like, the theological stuff is, like, largely correct, which I'm not sold on, but, like, you know, even if it is, uh, you know, the Catholic Church is really, like, like from a political point of view, like, you know, the actual, like, the governance and all that kind of stuff, like, the Catholic Church is, like, fucking satanic. Yeah, yeah I feel like the Pope has got to be a Satanist. I mean, he does everything he can to protect these kid rapers. And actually, yeah. he... I say he, but I mean, it's it's a position. There's been multiple. I have one with the third and one with nine, and uh, they all do it, every one of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I think that literally every Catholic priest, like, fucks kids, but, like, I do think it's a huge chunk of them. Well, I meant every pope protects the priests who do it. Oh, that, yeah, that definitely seems to be the case. That definitely seems to be the case. I, I don't know much about it, but I I was actually telling my roommate about this, that, like, um, I'm aware that there is, like, a theory that at some point in the 20th century, I want to say in, like, the 60s, but I could be wrong about that, um, but that the Pope was, like, assassinated and, like, swapped out with a body double, um, and that, like, that guy was, like, you know, basically, like, propped up by, like, you know, whatever you want to call them, the fucking Illuminati, the globalists, like, whatever, 
Um, I know that that is actually like kind of a popular theory in like conspiratorial Catholic circles. I don't know much about it, but I mean, I kind of lean towards it being true just because like the Catholic church is so fucking satanic. It's like hard to believe that it was always this way, you know? Yeah, honestly, I don't know. Um, I mean, you hear some of the shit that, like, the Vatican did back in the day, like, with the, the joust of horse or something in, like, the 1200s. And it's like, yeah, very, very holy of them. But, uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I had my best uh, Catholic priest that I ever went to. Because, uh, like, even though I, I told my parents I was, like, going atheist, because, uh, you know, angsty teenager, um, they'd take us to the small church. And, uh, unfortunately, I got out of a heart attack, and they demolished the church, like, you now. 10 years later, but to travesty is a nice church. But, um, yeah, he was like, yeah, you know, no one is supposed to like believe these stories. Like literally, he's like literally telling like this shit's not true, but like it is true in this sense. It's like, Oh, Hey, someone actually gets some theology about this and like tries to explain this to us idiots, you know, just goes right over the head of most people. But, uh, yeah, the older I get, the, the more religious I become and the more I quote from the Bible, which, you know, that's one good thing out of Catholic church. I, you know, I know me some Bible, <laughs> Yeah, dude, that's great. I mean, I I really kind of wish on some level that I was raised religious, although I guess on the flip side, I guess I'm kind of glad that I didn't because I think I have, like, a different appreciation for it. You know, like, I always just kind of grew up thinking, like, religion was kind of dumb, you know? Like, I, I kind of had that, like, normie position, like, oh, like, religion's just fucking stupid. This is for people who, like, don't like science or whatever. Um, but then, like, you know, I kind of came to it, like, through reasoning and, you know, like, those types of uh, pursuits. And, I mean, I couldn't be gladder for it, man. Like, religion is based, and atheism is fucking gay. Well, to be fair, I mean, I grew up in the Catholic Church, although we weren't really very religious. We were just sort of, you know, members who went on uh, Easter and Christmas and whenever I went to visit Grandma on Sundays. But wasn't super religious, um, but I did grow up going to Catholic school, and I also felt religion was retarded. I mean, I, I was taught, like, you know, from the very early age, it's like, well, Adam and Eve had sons and one of them went off and found a wife I was like wait what from where shut up don't ask questions you know and that was the kind of response that i got and i was like well this is fucking retarded i figured that out when i was like eight yeah and that's the thing that like you know i i try to like reach a lot of christians on is that like you know it is possible to be religious and like hold these beliefs true and to not be retarded at the same time like it is actually possible to, to, to do both and i and there there is a certain like I don't like buying into the whole, like, kind of, um, you know, kind of general normie uh, stereotype of, like, all religious people being stupid. But, like, the stupid religious person is a real archetype. Like, that is a real thing. And it's definitely a giant turnoff for people. It's, like, that's the only exposure that they have to religion, you know? Yeah. And going, to Catholic, going back to Catholic school, was, uh, I had a similar experience of, like, yeah, this is fucking retarded. Um, I, I remember like, I was in like fucking second or third grade and uh, I got in trouble because I was like, yeah, I want to be an archaeologist. Go find fucking Jesus' tomb. It's like, no, he literally resurrected. I'm like, that fucking makes no goddamn sense. His body's got to be there. It's got to be some fucking proof of this shit. And I got fucking like an F on that paper. I'm like, the fuck? This is stupid. Um, but no, I took my, I, I didn't really like fully go into the atheism side until uh, uh, confirmation. Like I took that shit seriously. And you know, like YouTube was a new thing. There's a bunch of atheists on there. I'm like, oh, this is great. But you know, it's just like autistic atheism. Like, of course the world was made in three days. Ho ho, look at these fucking retards. And uh, you know, there's a big push against like creationism and stuff, which I support yet. 
Because, like, you know, it's kind of bullshit. Like, you know, science is science yet. And if you're trying to teach people, like, probably teaching bullshit is not not the move. But, um, yeah, it, it wasn't until, like, I don't know, later with, like, Jordan Peterson that, like, he started, like, explaining more of the theology. And really, actually, Joseph Campbell got me on that. And that's that's how I came back to Jesus. Yeah, dude, that's what, that's what they did for me, too. I mean, like, I, there is no single person that is responsible for me becoming Christian than, than uh, Jordan Peterson. I mean, like, his, like, his way of explaining Christianity as, like, this, like, useful archetype of, like, the Logos and all that is, uh, you know, it, 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 it's so profound that, like, you know, again, I came at it from, like, the logic and reasoning side, and then, like, as, once I recognized that, like, the archetype aspect of it was true, I became more and more open to, like, the actual, like, divinity aspect of it being true. Uh, Moses, I see you have your hand up. You don't have to raise your hand. You can just chime in, homie. No, yeah, but I just want to just remind you to put recording in the top of the room, bro. I got Ooh, a good call. Back. Good call. Yeah, we're going to be recording this space for Moses. Oh, we just lost Ephesians. Booted himself down. Purgatory. <laughs> no, I'll Love it. Later, I got a dip. Peace, y'all. Well, yeah, I, I'll just kind of go on a little bit more of my journey since no one else is saying anything. Um, like, um, for me, it was uh, listening to some of the uh, Joseph Campbell uh, lectures, like interviews that he had um, with, like, Bill Moyers. And it's like, oh, hey, like, you know, maybe there's something to this. And, like, if you think about it as far as, like, stories, you know, when you had to write things down and you didn't have a printing press, uh, you know, that's a lot of fucking work. And when paper is not even, like, a commodity, it's like you're on stone tablets and shit. Like, you know, this stuff stuck around for this many years. It's like there's got to be something there that, like, there's some fundamental truth here that it's, like, the most highly compressed chunk of information that we have that's like not money and it's just like okay maybe i'm the idiot and not you know two thousand years plus of history plus all these other things because i remember uh, the big atheism was like look all these religions have all these similarities so it's like of course really you know what's the chance of you getting the right one it's like well no that means religion is right because they have all these different mythologies that overlap and they all you know, have these similarities that are speaking to some more like fundamental universal truth about humanity. There's yeah, a lot I, of like different types of information and in, like, for example, in like, for example, in the Bible, I, I, I can't speak too, too much to other, uh, books, but, uh, like there's like, not only, uh, there's, uh, what's the word? genealogies there's you know and, and it goes on at length of like this guy was the dad of this guy was the dad of this guy dad of this guy and then there's there's poems there's um there's so it's yeah poems uh genealogies uh and then there's like archetypal stories and there's like another main uh, there's like four main types of writings um in the books that are like split up uh, and there's actually different ways to split it up. The, I recently learned, Ephesians was recently telling me that uh, the Catholic and Orthodox Bibles are different from the Protestant Bible. 
um, and how they organize it, um, rather than organizing by by type, which I believe the Protestant Bible organizes by type more. Um, don't quote me on that, but but it is really interesting to see all the different types of of writing and like we we do we talk quite a bit about the fact that they're the stories even if they're not totally literally true like like every single every single detail like they are at the very least metaphor uh, um true in meaning true in archetype um and that's i think that that's, that's the big point that i think jordan peterson really hammered home um and like a lot of it a lot of it is like literally true there's a lot of there's a lot of um like historical record in it from from hundreds and thousands of years um but i i really like how there's that that combination of different types of information um and a, and a lot of people who don't uh don't know or don't have a background um in like learning biblical stories uh they see or they hear about like the crusades or like the israelites uh you know different groups that are quote like closer to god um uh they're like oh they did all these bad things like look this guy you know had like sexual relations in this way or like you know uh like murdered these people it's like yeah like they did a lot of fucked up shit like like a lot of really fucked up shit um and it's not like it's not condoning it it's not saying like oh this is a good thing it's just like yo like the israel the hebrews they're just as human as everyone else you know um you know, regardless of, you know, if someone, if someone thinks they're lizard people, but, um, yeah, they're, they're just as human as everyone else. It's not just, it's not the, it's not just like a Hebrew issue. It is a totally human issue. The thing is with the Bible is that the Bible, even though it's full of people and they're doing messed up things, the story of the Bible isn't about people primarily. It's about God. And you have people who are sinners and regardless of how bad you would or we would perceive that sin to be today. Um, the whole idea is that everybody's a sinner and some people are saved. And it's not because of the works that they did, because their works were evil and sinful, but it's the work that Christ did on their behalf in order to save them. And that instead of justifying yourself before God through your own works, you stand justified before God because of Christ's works on your behalf and that you receive that only by faith. You know, this is why Christianity is completely upside down and different than every other world religion and irreligion because irreligion is even a religion. It's a way of justifying yourself to your own mind or to your made up God or whatever. And only Christ can actually save you or save me or save any of us because we don't deserve it, you know, and that's the, that's the whole story of the Bible. That's the whole picture of the Bible is it's a story, not about primarily about us, but primarily about Christ. Can I, uh, and, uh, you know, can I just, uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, firstly, uh, I, I would just, uh, you know, wanted to give a shout to diligent ninja. I'm here because of him. Uh, I follow him. Uh, uh, having said that, uh, uh, we are talking about God, and uh, we are talking about religion, and uh, at the same time, uh, we are talking about the Bitcoin. So I just have one question to put forward to you. Uh, if uh, if at all uh, we have options, 
that uh, does seriously mean that we are not uh, you know convinced enough we don't have much conviction if we have option if we have options to choose between a and b between uh, bitcoin and ethereum between uh, you know whatever you know let us just take it to uh, another level uh, let us just talk about life and god having said that but i wanted uh, bitcoin to be there as well if we have options to choose are we convinced enough question mark first second i have a lot of things to talk uh, <laughs> on uh, i'm so sorry if uh, you know if uh, uh, I, I should not be saying this, uh, but uh, having uh, said that, this is an open mic, and uh, you know we can all have opinions, and we should respect each other. Um, I, I, I truly want to know from uh, someone who was just speaking before. He was talking about God and you know about Jesus and you know, <laughs> so I just wanted to know from him that uh, uh, what is God to him and how does he actually know that God, <laughs> according to the theory or the writings or the Bible or uh, you know the, the, the mythological uh, you know scripts worldwide in India and Bhutan, Nepal, uh, you know Buddhism, Hinduism. Islam, Christianity. How, 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 how are you so convinced that uh, you know the the God, the God exists? Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, this was my uh, second question. The first question uh, uh, was, uh, if you have options, how do you really feel that you are convinced enough? Uh, let me try to clarify your question. Is your question about like the nature of free will or like? If you have options of like different religions and belief systems, like how do you come to one? No, no. My my question is about it. My my question is just like, can you try to simplify your question as much as possible so uh, I can understand? Oh uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, mm, mm, okay. Uh, let us forget everything that I have said. Uh, let us just forget it. Um, just ask. Just ask a question. I'm just. Uh, like, you know, you, it sounds like you have a couple of questions. What, well, let's just go one at a time. What's your first question? Uh, when do we have? When uh, we have options, are we convinced enough? What do you mean by options? Yeah. Wait. Are you? Are you? Are you um, when, I'm, not, when, I'm not sure what the nature of your question. When? Uh, is. Uh, when? When, when, when we? When we try and uh, choose between the two, as in, uh, you know, I, I, I want to, uh, you know, stack some uh, uh, sites, or probably, you know, I would uh, sell my car, or uh, you know, whatever I have, and you know, I have, I'm so convinced. Uh-huh. Yeah, when you want to make. Yeah. So, 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 do I have that option? And uh, if yes. at all I have options to choose between the two, am I convinced enough? Oh, okay. Well, I the the way that I interpret your question, like I, the, I, I would I would say that the answer is yes. You do have options. You do have free choice. That is part of the nature of, of humanity. Is we have the, the the option to do you know pretty much whatever we want. Um, 
you know, but that doesn't mean that a choice that we make is the right choice, right? Like you, you have the free will to make, you know, whatever decision you want. Well, you know, I think that I think the religious argument would be that there are choices that would be right, and there are choices that would be wrong. I I um, I'm, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, you you guys. Uh, I think that we are not on uh, trying to get on the same page. I am so sorry. I just wanted to say that you know it's not about good, bad, right, uh, wrong decisions. It is about uh, you know the question that's. Uh, you know that's that's uh, you know I've been really curious about. I've been really uh, you know thinking. <laughs> the question is, if uh, as you said that you know we have free will to we have free will to choose between you know options. We have uh, whatever free life, free will, uh, democracy, uh, you, <laughs> you know free world, and all those uh, things. <laughs> Actually. Uh, uh, if you go and talk to someone in Afghanistan right now, they uh, would not agree to it otherwise. Having said that, okay, uh, I'm not here to argue with anyone. I swear this, uh, you know, please, please understand me. I'm not here to argue. My just, uh, okay, if at all we have choices, uh, do we choose the most uh, optimum uh, you know, out of the choices we have, and what is the reason that we choose? Uh, you know, out of ten options that we have, what is the reason that we choose one? Uh, well, I think that people choose, you know, different options, and like in the context of like belief systems, like religion. I mean, I think like people uh, choose different religions and different belief systems for lots of different reasons. You know, again, like I think that the nature of humanity and like our relationship with God is that we have free will. We have the ability to to make whatever decisions and to have, uh, you know, whatever uh, you know, kind of belief systems that we choose to adopt. Um, but you know, I, I I certainly would argue, and I and I can tell that you're not somebody who agrees with this. Um, that uh, there is actually a right answer to this stuff. There is a correct answer to this stuff, and I understand how that can seem. Uh, that can seem like an outlandish claim that like there is a correct answer to you know at least the the majority of like kind of spiritual questions, right? Uh, but you know, my answer would be like that. Yes, there is one. Um, I think Christianity is the correct religion. That's not to say that I think that you know. It's not to say I dislike people who have other religions, but I do think that there is a correct religion. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of different ways that people practice, and I may or may not agree with those on a on a give or take basis. But um, I do think that there's a correct religion. I I, I think Christianity. And I think that, you know, the way that we know that is, you know, through, like, the fundamental principles that, that religions teach. And I, I think that the fundamental principle that uh, Christianity teaches, I guess, is actually twofold. It's one around forgiveness, like the idea that, uh, you know, it, it's the rejection of an eye for an eye. You know, the idea that, you know, you, uh, to have a civilized society, you have to actually be able to forgive people to an extent. And uh, the other aspect of it is telling the truth. You know, I think it is uh, a fundamental aspect of Christianity that uh, that one tell the truth in all circumstances. Uh, in that, you know, the truth is the nature of God, and God is, you know, the nature of truth. Uh, how many uh, options did you have uh, once you, uh, you know, chose Christianity uh, above all? Like, uh, did you have to choose between Christianity, uh, Islam, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism? Uh, and what else? I don't know about religion that much. Uh, 
but uh, <laughs> i seriously don't uh, i i'm not a scholar of religion by the way uh, uh, to all the people who are listening uh, to the, uh, to me uh, and uh, you know whatever uh, because uh, the topic was bitcoin church and god is great uh, so i just came here um, uh, with uh, a thought that i might be able to talk to people who would rather uh, connect to me rather than disconnect so so having said that uh, what other choices uh, did you have uh, uh, when I you mean, knew about christianity yeah yeah i i would say all of them i mean i didn't you know i did not come to christianity uh like i wasn't born i guess you could sort of say i was born into a christian family but i was not raised in a religious family at all uh i never uh you know i i i didn't come at this like from a christian perspective so it's not like i started christian um and you know i i do know a fair bit about other religions you know i wouldn't call myself a scholar by any means but you know i do know my, a, a fair bit about religion um you know i knew quite a bit about islam i knew you know quite a bit about uh like hinduism and you know i think that you know there's all these different religions in the world and they all kind of there there are many shared teachings in all religions and this is true uh but i think there are core principles to different religions and i think the core principles of christianity is the best one don't you agree that we are just uh, uh, people with our experiences uh, that is uh, if at all uh, uh, we are uh, you know born in uh, some country in this uh, you know big wide world uh, we tend to follow uh, the religion that is uh, Okay, you have a lot of background noise, so you are... Sorry, I'm, are you I'm, 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 so, I'm so sorry. Uh, my question was, uh, don't you think that uh, we are just uh, born uh, in a country and we tend to follow the religion uh, where we are born into? Yeah, no, absolutely, but that doesn't mean that it's, that, that it's ideal, right? Like, that, like, it's definitely true that, like, if you're born in a... Hindu culture you're likely going to be Hindu if you're born in a Buddhist culture you're likely going to be Buddhist etc right um but principles transcend geography right like if your principles are correct they're correct in Afghanistan and they're correct in South America It's not that it's just that like on a high level like if you actually get into the philosophy of all of these different religions the only one that is truly logically consistent is christianity the idea of christ as like this forgiver and 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 truth teller you know because like you know with all of the other religions there there are like real like fundamental problems with them that you just can't get by that christian does that, that christianity does um you know i don't know what religion is popular where you live uh if i had to guess based on your accent i would guess hinduism and like you know my my general beef with hinduism is not that they're like not good hindu people in fact there's somebody there's a group of people who are not blood related to me but who like i consider family like you know i call like aunt and uncle and shit like that um who are hindus who are from india um but you know my problem with hinduism is that it's it's a it's a polytheistic religion and it you know it, it it worships all of these different gods who you know perform all of these different functions and i think on a high level the philosophy of worshiping multiple gods 
is actually much, much worse than the philosophy of wor worshiping one master god, right? Uh, because when you when you worship all of these little gods, it leaves a lot of ambiguity for morality. You know, you could worship the rain, or you could worship the sun, or you could worship sex, or you could worship money, or, you know, whatever. Whereas, you know, the idea of worshiping, like, the master of the universe, who, like, granted all of this stuff, and rejecting worshiping other idols, right, which um, Buddha, uh, Hinduism is, is big into idols, um, you know, rejecting the worship of idols, um, I think that philosophically that's actually sound, whereas philosophically uh, polytheism is not sound. Does, uh, does that make any sense? Do I speak? Yeah, go for it. I <clears> know <throat> uh, 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 that didn't make any sense. Uh, having said that, I always said, uh, uh, you know, uh, once we started it, I always said that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, uh, you know, scholar. I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm not. I'm. 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 I'm no one, dude. Uh, it, it is just, uh, you know, I'm talking about religion because. Uh, I uh, really feel deep down inside that when you said that the idea of Christianity is better as compared to whatever, I don't, I, I, I don't follow elite religion, any religion. I'm, um, I don't consider myself to be Hindu, uh, Muslim, Christian, Buddhist, whatever. Okay, well, give it a shit, dude. Uh, give it a shit. Uh, uh, and and um, uh, you know, I, I must tell you that you know I've uh, found a space wherein uh, you know we can actually discuss things like this. Having said that, yes. So I uh, don't uh, consider myself to be uh, related to any religion. Uh, second, uh, as you rightly said, I already agreed to you. That, uh, yes, the idea of Christianity or the idea of whatever is uh, that we follow, we tend to follow. And uh, uh, it is just a mere idea. I, uh, my question is, uh, how, uh, you know, do you, uh, you know, tell me. Uh, we are just talking, my friend. I, I swear, we are just talking, dude. Yeah, yeah, Please, no, because 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 I'm scared of these phases, dude. If you don't you, have to if you talk about if you if you talk about Bitcoin, people talk about Bitcoin, and then this is uh, a safe <laughs> and then you are just hated, and then you know this guy doesn't know a shit. Crypto culture, this, that, blue, blue, blah, blah, bullshit. Well, sorry, and sorry. This... Let me ring in for a second. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that it is important to tell the truth no matter what? Yes. Definitely. Okay. No, 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 no. What? It doesn't matter what I believe in. Well, no, I'm just, I'm asking you, right? And, and this is like, Matt, Matt is technically the host, but like... It, 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 it absolutely fucking doesn't matter what I believe in. It doesn't, actually it doesn't, please. Well, you're, please. I mean, look, you're, you're, you're entitled to that opinion, right? But like, this is like, this is the, the, the space we're doing. Uh, so like, you know, like, we're, we're going to, we're trying to like engage in like some productive conversation. So like, my, my first question to you was, do you believe that it's important to tell the truth no matter what? You answered yes. I have a follow-up question. Do you think that it's important for people to be able to forgive each other? Yes. Okay. Well, my argument, simply, is that the fundamental principles of Christianity are A, telling the truth no matter what, and B, forgiving. 
And if you believe that those two things are not just important, but are the most important uh, principles that humans can guide themselves by, then whether or not you literally believe in the resurrection or anything like that, you're a Christian. Whether or not you recognize it, uh, th th those are Christian philosophical points. Now, if you don't agree with those things, that's fine. You're entitled to that. But my position would be that you're wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. I'm, I'm very, right, cool. uh, anything, anything that isn't based in um, forgiveness ultimately is suicidal. No, I, I, I don't agree with, uh, you know, anything. Uh, what I'm trying to uh, say is, and I'm, I'm, as I already, you know, clearly stated that I'm not here to, you know, prophesize, uh, you know, bullshit or whatever. You guys can just get me out of this uh, space whenever you want. I won't feel assured about it. I won't feel bad. I would still follow Diligent Ninja and uh, might, might I, I would start following uh, Mate and... Uh, yeah, no uh, worries, dude. Listen, I mean, yeah. we, we so, probably... So, are so, 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 so I, I don't give a but... shit. Uh, if you are talking about religion, I don't give a shit. Uh, 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 when you say that, you know, this religion, uh, you know, teaches us, uh, you know, to be kind, to be good, to be forgiving, this, that whatever did you write it did you write the religion or do you really accept that someone has written the bible uh, equally someone has written the you know the hindu mythology and the buddha buddha had uh, you know his disciples uh, but uh, you know there was so the, someone who actually the holy books you know, for, wrote it the holy books for Hinduism are the Bhagavad Gita, the Mahabharata, and the uh, Upanishads, I believe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, yeah, um, Mahabharata. But, you know, if, if I could interject for a second. You know, it, I, I, I understand the argument that there are all of these different holy books all over the world, and like they're all written by man, and you know who's to say who's right. I, I understand that whole argument. My argument, simply, and I do want to move on, and, and I'm probably I'm going to, to bring you down. You're welcome to continue to listen, but like we do want to keep this somewhat uh, focused on like uh, like Christian stuff. Um, but you know, my argument is not that uh, that your argument that they're all written by man is like wrong. Uh, you know, my 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 argument is that you can actually analyze the philosophical meaning of all of these different books, and you have the critical thinking skills to decipher you know, which ones you, you see value in and which ones you don't. And I would argument that from a critical thinking point of view, from a reasoning point of view, not from like, a, oh, I believe in Jesus point of view, you can actually come to the conclusion that Christianity is the objectively correct religion. That's my argument. And I recognize, okay. that, you, and I recognize that you don't agree with that. Um, no, I, 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 I can't, I can't, I, uh, I can't say I'm, that. I'm, <laughs> my friend, my, I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, this kind of, uh, you know, uh, it, it seems very interesting. So uh, I agree to you. I, I completely uh, am in agreement, uh, you know, with you. Um, it, it is not that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling, uh, you know, any, any kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, repulsion. Uh, what I am just saying, as you said that, you know, someone somewhere, yes, must be written, and you know, people, uh, some, some, some 
person might have written the Bhagavad Gita and the Mahabharata and the Upanishads and the Ramayana and someone must have written the Bible and the Quran in Islam and you know in Buddhism you know whatever <laughs> I have not read a single thing my question is yes if at all you agree that uh, there was some person who actually wrote it why do we need to follow uh well again my 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 position and you know after this i i am going to uh, bring you down and it's not out of a uh, contention or anything like that but you know we're just trying to keep this relatively focused um my argument is not that we should believe them because some people wrote them like i recognize that people literally wrote them my argument is that if you actually analyze these from from the perspective of you know logic and reasoning that you can actually choose which one is correct or not you you're welcome to come to the conclusion that none of them are correct um but you know i think you should approach it from that perspective like you know actually like understand the philo- the, the fundamental philosophical uh positions of these religions and then analyze those against your own world you know that would be uh, my strategy anyways sovereign thank you for coming up i am going to bring you down but i appreciate you, know, you coming on there's something there when it comes to reason and logic like god said to job he said reason with me right like reason with me i've given you a brain reason with me the only thing is is that at that point god was speaking to a redeemed individual somebody that was a true believer in god that had recognized the truth of who god was and not from his own reasoning because Jeremiah 17:11 says that the heart is deceitful above all things who can understand it the reason why it is deceitful is because it's fallen it's in sin uh, each and every one of us are born spiritually blind and dead we need god to do something in us so that we can actually believe in the truth so the truth gets revealed to us primarily through Christ and then we see we have a redeemed heart we have a an ability a newfound ability to use the god-given reasoning in a much better way than we had before we were uh Christians will call it saved or redeemed out of death right so you become alive you become alive to the truth uh, everybody has a concept of truth that there are things that are right and wrong nobody can agree on what they are because everybody wants to have their own truth now of course that's unreasonable that's it's very subjective there is a objective truth and it's found in god himself and that once you can have that your mind redeemed the bible calls it being having your mind transformed once you have that transformation of the mind you're able to actually reason with god uh reasonably does that make sense yeah i think i think that the whole like finding your truth and doing doing what's right for you i think that that is inherently um illogical uh like it, it's not in line with the way reality works um and it's inherently anti the truth and i mean like there's a whole like uh you know jesus is the way the truth and the light um and there's uh, i mean like the logos right so like the what makes sense to me is like there is this 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 all this omniscient um omnipotent and omnipresent being um that is the 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 logic 
the logic of the universe that like the language of God is mathematics. Right. And then everything is built off of that physics, chemistry, biology, ecology. And like, then, you know, as each higher level you go up, uh, you get like a massive branching off of all these different parts of it um, in complexity from this, like one simple, uh, like force, this one simple force, the way, the truth and the light, the logos of the universe. Um, and so when, when there's this modern programming, um, this, yeah, this modern programming, um, where, um, Ephesians likes to say peak Babylon. And I, I think that's, I think that's really, uh, prescient, um, because we are at peak Babylon. Um, when, when, when people go off and they try to find their truth. And then if, if you, you know, not, not saying that they're, you know, necessarily like, uh, a, a bad person per se, I mean, any worse than any one of us are. Um, but I just think it's wrong. I just think it's wrong. And I think it's a denial. And I think that it's actually, uh, it shows weakness because you have to have some kind of, some kind of strength, some kind of courage to be able to admit and humility, um, the utmost, uh, to be able to admit like there is the truth, like the truth actually does exist. Yeah. I agree with all of that too. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is that we don't like, so there are people out there that are not Christians or not believers in God and they're way smarter than us. So, what I'm saying is, is that even though I agree with everything that you just said, what I'm saying is, is that the very root, the very starting point of us coming to a conclusion that God is real and that he is who he says he is, as per the scripture that God laid down for us in the word, the logos, is because God has already done something to us, right? He opened the eyes of the blind. This is why Jesus did these miracles to show in a small way what he does to all of us in a big way. So if you are humble before God, it's because God has done something in your heart. If you are a believer in God, it's because God has done something in your heart to redeem your heart, to make your reasoning um, work on the principle of what God created it to be, which was separate from sin and not corrupted. Right? So like Jeremiah seventeen eleven, like I said, like, the heart is deceitful above all things. God didn't create the heart deceitful. We have deceitful hearts because we were born with deceitful hearts because sin is in, embedded in us from our birth. Right? All the way back to, to the garden, right? Like this is the, this is the, the rebellion. Re- that, that rebellion is built into our heart, but it doesn't mean that we're not religious. We just have other gods, other idols, other things, other things that we worship, other things that we cry out to, other things. So there's smarter people out there. But if you don't, if you don't know God, you don't know Jack. And it's not because you figured it out. It's because of grace that you have that knowledge. So that's just, I'm just coming at it from the, from the faith side first. Faith precedes everything else. You know, you've got to believe in him. And he's made you, if you believe in Christ, he's, he's revealed himself to you. He's revealed his grace to you that you couldn't save yourself, but you couldn't redeem your own mind. But God has redeemed your mind so that you can think in his terms. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's true. Whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's Christianity, belief in God, um, or anything like humans, human beings, 
come to understanding, they, they believe something first and then they rationalize their way through it. Um, no matter what it is. It, and, and I didn't, I didn't know this. I didn't know that until, I don't know, the last couple of years perhaps, but, and a lot of, uh, maybe like rationalists or materialists, like, uh, like atheist, atheist materialist, um, don't want to admit that they, um, like there's this, there's this goal of being, and don't get me wrong. Being rational is not a bad thing. Like I enjoy being rational. Like having a rational mind is a great thing. That is hundred uh, percent. God gave you your brain, right? Like um, wonderful gift. And being able to compartmentalize and separate emotion from rationality is a, a very, um, you know, it, it's a really big deal. Um, and, a, a, a really, I, I, I think that I, I have a general, like, uh, ability to do that. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, but I see a lot of people, it's like, they're, they're like, it's like this anxiety driven thing. They're like running on a treadmill and they're trying to be the most rational, you know, they're like, Oh, I can't, I can't let belief, you know, enter here. I can't let feelings enter here. But I think what they don't realize is that, that, that is actually a feeling their, their need to be like purely just rational is in and of itself, an emotional thing. Um, and there's no way to get away from that. Um, and I think the reason why, um, a a lot of people perhaps in that situation have, uh, you know, maybe they have like some kind of other, uh, you know, issues in their lives or mental issues or, uh, anxiety that they're, uh, you know, stricken with is because they have that void and they don't know how to fill it. I agree with you. It's, it's true. And, uh, human beings are created to be worshipers of God. Um, but because of the sinfulness of our hearts, we, we don't worship him. But the thing is, is that worship or or the idea of worship means to be constantly pouring out your heart, your emotions, your everything towards that, which you see as ultimate and, just because you don't worship the one true God, Yahweh, you still will worship. And it just depends on what you will pour out your worship upon. Like if you read Romans 1, it says that that, that we all, in our fallen human nature, will exchange the glory of the immortal, perfect God for something that we can see, something that we can tangibly place our hands on. We end up worshiping creatures and ideas and very 30 gods. Of silver. Yeah, exactly. Like we, 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 sh- we shop in Christ for, for something that's a trinket, you know, and, and we think it's going to save us. And, you know, I mean, I work with um, drug addicts on the streets in the city that I'm in and like trying to bring the gospel to them and, and you see it, they go to, they go to drugs and alcohol as their saviors. And, and of course these are false gods, right? Like these are false saviors because their, uh, their experience, they think, well, they, they do get a, a small escape, right? Like you, you go and take fentanyl or 
take math and whatever, and you escape for a short amount of time from the woes of your life. But of course, this thing, when you come down from that, this thing hits you like a demon, right? And it, it proves itself to be a false God, a false idol, a, a God that can never deliver what it promises. But, but yet we preach and they still turn their hearts away, you know, like, so it's not that I preach or don't preach. It's that God has to change our hearts, you know, and uh, I'm powerless to be able to change that. And, and the, but the thing is, though, is that Romans ten seventeen is that faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So what's the goal of the Christian? Preach the word, preach the, the message that there is a king on his throne and that he is, and he has won. And you can believe it or not, but you are going to get the message. And then God is going to take that message and do what he wants with it in the individual person's heart. So where do people, where do people go wrong? Um, like say, say that someone hasn't uh, become corrupted or, you know, any more corrupted than, than the normal amount of corruption. And so I'm not, I'm not including like, I'm not including like people in, in, in positions of authority, like in the Catholic church or, or in any other church, um, using that power. Uh, I, I'm talking more of like, wh- where does it come from when people are just, are genuinely trying to reach people and then it's perceived as uh, being on a soapbox. And I think sometimes people do get on a soapbox and then, but then other times when, when they're not on a soapbox, I think uh, a lot of people reject it because it's uncomfortable to them. Like if they're not a Christian and they, 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 they deep down, they know that they're doing things that are not good for them and good in general. Um, and they don't want to hear it. So they, they reject it and say, Oh, you're on your soapbox and you're, you know, you're thumping your Bible or you're, you know, you're being judgmental. Um, but in, in the case where someone does get a bit on a soapbox, um, how exactly, how exactly can someone step down from that soapbox um, or, or not be perceived as being on one? Or is, or is that unavoidable? It, it's, it, it all depends, I think. Like, even as Christians, we can be wrapped up in our own pride. And what it comes across as of being on the soapbox is if you're... And it, the way that I perceive that to be is that if you're coming across with something that's your own idea of what you think the Bible's saying, you're telling someone that rather than the objective truth of what it's actually saying, or if you're sinning in some kind of way, or if you're just being a prideful person, right? Like that can hurt people off. And I think quite rightly, and many, many um, hypocritical Christians who, you know, well, live the, you, you can be a, a hypocrite by preaching one thing and then doing something else too, right? Like the, obviously people don't like that. And I think that, that's legitimately to be rejected, honestly. And that, this, it's tough because people might throw the baby out with the bathwater. You might be saying something true. But when you preach the word, like let's say you get up and read the scripture. This is why Paul says to Timothy, like constantly read the scriptures in public. This isn't your opinion when you're reading the scriptures. It, it, it's, it's God's word, you know. And, and the, the thing is, is to, to remember is that reading through the Gospels especially, you'll see that Jesus is based. You know, the the secular humanist Jesus is Jesus loves everyone. God is love. That's it. God would never offend anyone. Well, the thing is, is that Jesus shows up 
and he's based, he shows up and says, don't think I've come to bring, uh, bring it all together here. I've come to bring division. I've come to bring a sword. And what that sword is, is that before the word of God shows up, we're kind of living our lives as people made in the image of God. So we, we understand the right that we're supposed to do in our heart, but we don't do it perfectly because of sin and that we're actually dead in our sins. And so it's very mixed. And we, um, but, but when the gospel shows up, when the word of God shows up, when the truth of God, it's, it's actually God's law. When God's law shows up, it confronts you with the fact that you're actually broken and that you, you're, you stand condemned before God. Because he, he calls us to holiness, to perfection, to completeness. But then people will be confronted with that fact. Like God is, and I'm not holy, and I'm responsible for my actions before God ultimately. And they either go towards God or away from him. So when, because I, I, I've had, I have people get upset with me all the time when I preach. Like people do not like being confronted with the word of God. And it's like, don't shoot the messenger. But of course, the messengers always got shot the whole way through the Bible, right? Like every prop, like, you know, Jesus says, you, you brood of vipers. Like I sent the prophets to you and you killed them. And now you sit there and, point to the prophet's graves and say, Oh, weren't these prophets great? But it was like, it was you that murdered them. Like your great, great grandpa murdered these guys. And you're the exact same because you're trying to justify yourself before God by your own works. And it cannot happen. You aren't good enough. Your sins are too bad. <laughs> so you need someone to do it on your behalf. And this is where the humility aspect comes in. Once you can recognize that God is now this comes through, God transforming your heart, right? Like faith comes through hearing, hearing through the word of God. You hear it. Some people believe that. It's not because they're smart. It's not because they're, you know, better than anyone else. It's because God did something in the heart so that they can believe it. And on the flip side, there will be people that will be confronted by that. And this is where it gets really scary. And this is where you look at even some of our world leaders and people in power and stuff like that. They literally do the opposite of God's law. They turn God's law upside down. And this is a scary place to be in their, obviously in their own lives, but also in the lives of the people around them because they just destroy the world around them. Right. When you say, when God says in the sixth command, like thou shalt not murder the positive side of the law is you shall do everything possible for life. But then when you go around euthanizing people, killing people in wars, you abort babies left, right and center and all this stuff. It's like, you built your life around the opposite of what God said was true in that sense. And the whole world comes apart around you. And the same for theft, right? Like this is why we love Bitcoin. It's perfect. It's pure. I believe it's a gift from God, but, but our whole institution is based on the breaking of the eighth commandment. Thou shalt not steal, which means your neighbor has property. And along comes the government or whoever and says, fuck you. I'm taking the whole lot. And <laughs> This is the this is the world of darkness. This, this is this is the world from below, right? But we have to recognize that all of our hearts are rooted in that world below, and it is God who brings us up to His kingdom. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Um, I just wanted to say, like, I resonate heavy with that because you know, um, as I look through all of the shots, one of the things that stood out to me is regardless of what they claim it was all made from aborted fetal tissue and so i'm not injecting that in my arm you know when i tried to get my wife over from canada 
they wanted to give her a, a set of vaccines, and then we looked them up. And it's sad because in our faith, the only ones we could find who would stand for us was the Catholic Church because they actually have movements against this aborted fetal tissue, and you can take a religious exemption based on that. So I found that very sad, and someone also put it, that any uh, institutional church that closed during this pandemic, you know, that put man before the divine, you know, the, the Lord is not with them, so to speak. You know, they're yes. so interested in this 503C tax exemption here in the States that they're not willing to stand before God, you know, and put the God first rather than the people. Um, and lastly, I'll say, because I got to get back to work, is, um, you know, I believe it's Revelations 15.4, We've already won because it says, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. Thy word made manifest. All right. Y'all have a good day. God bless. Peace out, Brave. Yeah, I saw there were some people earlier who were, like, trying to come up. And uh, I think maybe it was glitching out. You know, you're welcome to continue trying. Like, anybody's welcome to come up. Uh, I think we're just having technical issues with spaces, which is par for the course. Uh, I just want to kind of carry on. Um, I can't remember who was talking earlier. I was not paying attention, but um, the uh, around the whole like you know, Bitcoin being this uh, following the commandment of you know, thou shalt not steal. But I think another you know, you know, Christian aspect of this with Bitcoin is the whole. Uh, thou shall not bear false witness. Um, like when you price stuff in fiat, you know, it's kind of a lie in some, in some ways in that, you know, what you intend to represent by pricing something in fiat is not necessarily the actual effect because prices are moving around and when you set that price or when someone pays that price, you know, there's a, there's a hidden element to that that, skews everything that we say if, if money really is speech and I, I think that's definitely um I, I believe that wholly um that yeah you are distorting what are what is said and by that distorting the truth and then you have this you know fiat food system fiat everything system that you know doesn't really line up with reality and you know just simple it is yeah built upon the sand the melting ice cube. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the, I don't know what book it's in, but there's the, the house that's built upon the rock and there's the house that's built upon the sand. And, uh, there Jesus is also referred to as the rock. Um, and if you, if you have solid foundations, solid principles, yeah, there may be, there may be some hurricane force winds that come your way. There may be a lot of people that hurl, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of vile things your way, but, you are built. You are. Uh, you have built your foundation upon a rock rather than sinking sand. And fiat is the epitome of sinking sand. It is the Tower of Babel built on a pit of sinking sand. Yeah. I just want to mention. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, uh, yeah. Just to follow on that Tower of Babel, um, I, I've actually just been thinking about this a little bit more. That you know, you start to see these shortages everywhere. And, you know, people aren't working, all this stuff, and, you know, whatever, there's reasons. But um, I, I wonder how much, and this is, you know, I, I need to probably learn a little bit more about uh, previous, like, depressions and things like that. But um, I wonder how much of this has to do with just lack of good signaling within the economy. That, that 
misrepresentation of what people actually mean by price. This means that you can't allocate things correctly. And then this whole finely tuned system breaks down and people can no longer communicate. And then, you know, the whole tower comes tumbling down or it doesn't get completed. And like, you know, um, I feel like the Tower of Babel analogy came up to me in the previous weeks, just like, yeah, um, when we can't understand each other because our prices are, you know, whatever they are at that time, there's no planning, there's no future, there's no information exchange. And you totally, you added so much signal, there's so much noise into the signal of the pricing mechanism that it as a information compressor fails, which is the same way that language does. So like metaphorically, I feel like hyperinflation or just even fast inflation is uh, more or less like modern day uh, tower kind of moment. I wonder how much just the signaling has to do with these shortages and collapses and things like that. But if someone's more knowledgeable, and I'd love to hear if they, they have any more uh, deeper study on it. It's interesting, Matthew 5, uh, there's a parable in Matthew 5. Um, uh, compared, it says, the, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And, he gave, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. And he that had received the five ta talents went and traded with the same and made them five more talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of these servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he <clears throat> that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. <clears throat> and when he had received the one talent, and he who, which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest what I reap, where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that shall, hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer, out, into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It just kind of seems like a parable that could be um, kind of aligned with the story of like the decline of fiat. And the, and the whole fiat system being kind of comparative to that servant just burying things in the ground and not um, kind of, you know, utilizing those talents for what they're truly worth. I don't know. It seems like an interesting sort of analogy. Yeah. Scarcity mindset and not being grateful for what you have. Maybe it's like, uh, I, I don't know if in the story, um, like the like each servant knew what the other servants got. I don't know if it's like an end perhaps like an envy type thing where, Oh, because they got more and I have less, I'm scared. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a scarcity mentality. Um, 
anxiety ridden mentality and um trying trying to get like a one over on the system like like just going to usury rather than being productive it even you yeah. said you even read the word profit it even said profitable in there right yeah he said that it would have been better off giving the money to a bank and letting interest occur than to actually just bury it in the ground he's basically like even he even like almost says like this even uses using that that pitiful system is better than just completely like burying it and they're like no I can never, I can never, you know, grow this. This is ungrowable. Yeah. The, the, the big thing here would be uh, the, the view of the future. This is what the, the five, two, and one talents is. What's the view of the future? Like, God has a view of the future. Christians, modern Christians, they don't Time preference. They think They think Jesus is coming back at any minute. And they think, or they just don't know, they don't care, and they kind of hunker down into their little church and just get ready for dude really i've had this i've had this bitcoin make. argument with like my parents i've been like you know this yeah. is like this is the proper time preference to have they're like well i won't even be here for any of that so right you know right, who right, cares right. <laughs> so 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 the thing I'm is, i don't even have children yet the, yeah for sure and the, the church is the, the church is very much like the one talent uh one talent person um you be, you better believe that that the truth is that the, 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 the kingdom of God, the glory of God is to go to the ends of the earth. You can say that maybe the gospel has gone to all the different countries, but I mean, do we see justice being done in the earth the way that God intends justice to be done? Like righteousness, righteousness and justice are the same word. And we don't see justice being done ultimately in our world. And 1 Corinthians 15 says that all of the enemies of Christ need to be put under his feet before Christ returns. Then comes the end. And the last enemy to be defeated is death. So in history, Christ wins. Now, he sits on his throne now, and he is winning. He's progressively winning more and more in culture and pu- pushing back the darkness. Can you, can you push back the darkness using fiat dollars? There's no plan for the future using fiat dollars. It's a race to the bottom. It's entropy. It's coming apart. It's, it's flawed. I cannot create generational wealth with fiat dollars. And, but the Bible commands me. It says, the righteous man will leave an inheritance to his children and his grandchildren. I hope to be able to leave an inheritance of money, at least, to my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren. Let's take that a long ways. Jesus talks in terms of, of generation after generation, thousands of generation, to those who love me and, and obey my commands. So, but on the biggest scheme of that, obviously we can't, we can't see God's kingdom go to the end of the earth if the money is corrupt. So the enemy of evil money based on theft, has to be put under the feet of Jesus. And I believe that this he's doing James that five. right now. Yeah, yeah, James, yeah. That, James 5, yeah. I believe that he's doing that right now. I believe that Bitcoin is a total gift from God. I, you know, and uh, now here's the thing, like, I, I think a lot of people struggle with the whole idea that the Bible was written by people, but yet God uh, carried them along, right? Like Second uh, Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out, theonoustos, breathed out by God unprofitable for teaching, for reproof, for training in righteousness. But men did write it. Right? But but they were they were being carried along by God as they wrote it. Like the spirit kind of took them and and, and helped them to write that. Right. So, so try to they say write that, God's words. To try and, to say that man, the same thing with sorry. Bitcoin, right? 
like to try to say man is not, uh, or to try to say that by man penning the word of God, it's not God writing it, is to externalize God and to like place him in a box when realistically any single thing that happens is an act of God, right? Yeah, like like what we what we don't realize is that God is completely sovereign. God is over everything. There, the, you have your choices. You have your personal things, the things that you do this and that, and you're going to write this or not and things like that. But, but the thing is, is that God is over all of that too. And regardless of whether you consciously understand that God is doing something, even through you, you might not necessarily recognize. And I would say for the most part, we don't recognize all that God is doing. If we did, I think our minds would be blown and I don't think we'd be able to function. If you could, if you could understand that reality, the thing is, is that God is active. God is ever present. God is doing all things over and above what we do. And he's using all of the things that we do. So, you know, you got Satoshi Nakamoto, whether that was Jesus Christ coming down and sitting on the end of a computer and, you know, I'm just going to come back this one more time in between and just make this perfect money and then leave again. Or more than likely he was using an individual um, in order to, in order to bring about something good in the world. And this is, this is his plan. This is remember Isaiah um, nine verses seven. It's like the government shall be upon his shoulders. Like everything, all the governing of the universe will be upon his shoulders. And it says the zeal of the Lord will do this. You know, we need to trust that. What's your opinion on the prophecy in Daniel 2? Um, like Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the stone cut without hands, you know, that consumes the earth. Like it grows to be a mountain and consumes the earth. To right. me, that's like a direct reference to Bitcoin. But Yeah, well, I would say that, it would, that definitely righteousness and all things righteous need to fall within inside God's kingdom. But the kingdoms that are referenced in Daniel, um, you've got the the beast um, and then you've got the bear and then you've got the leopard and then you've got the, the, this crazy iron beast that came out. That's Babylon, Persia, Greece and Rome. And then there was a, another a rock that came down and smashed them all and then filled the entire earth. That's, that's Christ and his kingdom. Christ, Christ came down, was perfect, obeyed the law, defeated Satan on the cross. Like he put it, he put the nail in the, in the coffin of Satan's kingdom right there. He died. He paid for sin. He rose again to prove that eternal life was his. And then he, he ascended. And even Daniel seven says that, um, though I blow, I behold the ancient, the, uh, one like a son of man came up to the ancient of days and sat down at the right hand. And that was a prophecy of the future of Christ's coming. And, Winning. Christ won 2,000 years ago. He's ascended. He sits on his throne. And yes, Christians have all kinds of eschatologies about the world. It's going to get worse and all that stuff. That is false. That is not historically um, found. This is a very modern, recent um, thing within Christian church. The, 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 go the goal of history is for Christ's kingdom to fill it all in history before he returns. And Bitcoin falls in with that because you cannot have um, you can't have corruption removed if you have corrupt money. You need to, you know, like we say, Bitcoin. I agree, and it's not worshiping Bitcoin. Fix the money, fix the world. These are what this is one of the tools that we can use for God to actually fix the world and make it a more just and righteous place.
like the timeline revelations, you think that we're probably a lot further along that timeline than the average um, churchgoer believes. Because to me, they seem to be kind of a future scenario. And I would argue that most of what's depicted has kind of already come to pass. A lot of the yeah. brutal things have already happened. Yeah. So the Great Tribulation, the Christians bring up the Great Tribulation a lot. So the Great Tribulation um, happened in, in the years running up to um, AD 70. And if you want to look at what the grossest, most disgusting, evil, horrible time in history ever was, just look no further than the reign of Nero. When, when, when uh, the beast of Rome came and wiped out the old covenant Jewish worship um, forever, um, it, was a, it was a horrible time. Like the, the hills were covered in crosses. That was what, hills. Was 70 AD, right? That was 70 AD. So, so God, God throughout history has always been giving his covenant lawsuit against Israel, right? Like you've, you've turned your back against me. Like I gave you my law and I said the blessings if you obey and the cursings if you disobey. And they constantly turned their backs and disobeyed. And, and then he said, okay, you know what? It was always about faith and not about blood this is why racism has to be killed right here because it's not about your race it's not about your particular bloodline it's not about who your parents are it's about faith and the true israelite is the one who believes in christ by faith and it was always that way but when christ came then the gospel the kingdom of god could go to the ends of the earth it wasn't just restricted to you know first century palestine it was to the ends of the earth. It was for every single person, every tribe, every tongue, right? And the, the old way of doing things, which the Jewish people at the time had basically made into a law, if we follow God's law, God will love us. And it was never about that, but they'd made it that way. And they did their sacrifices and all of that stuff in a, in a pagan way, essentially. They were trying to save themselves by their works. God put an end to it in AD 70. And that was an amazingly horrible time in history. And, and we've never seen anything like it, right? Go and read, read the, um, the history of the wars of the Jews by Josephus. He was a Jewish, um, he was a Jewish uh, conscript in the army at the time. And he managed to escape, like he hid himself under a bunch of dead bodies during the war and then one of the Roman generals found him and liked him. And then he became then a Roman citizen and then documented it all. And you can read this stuff and it's amazing what happened during that time. It was, uh, it was like nothing we've ever experienced even in, in our world today, even though our world is still full of wars and all kinds of stuff. It's world war one you know, was also fairly brutal too. Like uh speaks yeah. of blood coming up to horses, bridles. Like that definitely happened in world war one with the clash mm -hmm. of machines and animals. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the whole idea, though, is that until Christ returns again, we're always going to be fighting against the beast system. Always. It's always going to be there to some degree, but its, it's days are numbered. You know, like it's, it's judicially been defeated, and now, it, now Christ's actively defeating it in, in this world. You know, and that's the rest of history. And, and he does it as his kingdom comes like we christ commanded us to pray thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven 
You know, I think and this is what we're supposed to be focusing on. I know that like uh, history is just riddled with just just blood and slaughter, just everywhere. Um, but like, I don't know. Maybe I haven't thought or, or read enough about it. But like, World War One and World War Two were just just massacres, and and regarding leaving out World War One, World War Two, uh, the imperialism that Theodore Roosevelt uh, took part in or led uh, in the early years of the 1900s. Um, or, or the late 1800s, uh, and then and the Vietnam, and and you know, just basically the, the entire time of 20th century is just just, just it's shit show. Um, but besides that, governments killed, murdered, slaughtered, and starved uh, anywhere from 100 million to a quarter of a billion of their own people. Besides the wars in the 20th century, so uh, I mean, like, like. It was a lot more up close and personal. I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of up close and personal in the 20th century, but like, you know, pre guns, you know, you, you had, it was all like, you know, maces and, 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 uh, swords and you know, up close and personal, um, like just, just blood right there, um, in the, in the face and, you know, like animals and throwing them into pits with like lions and tigers. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think they're just different. I think they're just, um, you know, I, I don't know if one is more brutal than the other because um, the brutality is definitely definitely coming out in, in different ways. I mean, like, what's more brutal, like an A-bomb or like a slice through the throat? I, 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 don't, I don't really know which one. That's a great star from heaven, right? That's what I think personally, that like the nuclear bomb dropped on Japan is the great star of heaven that fell from the sky. It fell fell on into the sea, right? And then it polluted a third of the waters. I mean, we had Fukushima releasing nuclear waste into, into the water. It's just, it's the same type of, uh, you know, decay. Mm, wow. Yeah, we're, we're always going to be, uh, well, not always, because Christ is doing his thing, but we're going to be confronted by wars. Um, like, but when, when the specific, when Jesus specifically said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, know that the end is nigh. Now, remember that he was speaking to those people at that time, right? He said, this generation will not pass away until you see all of these things happen. Now, in the context of the Jewish person in AD 30-ish, they were under Roman occupation, and the Roman um, Empire was, in, in Latin, it was called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. So, when someone says you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars within a generation, they would think like, what, what are you talking about? This is the Pax Romana. This is the peace of Rome. Like there is no war. Like Rome is way too strong to fall down. Nobody's going to fight the Romans. Right. But Hey, within that generation, there was all kinds of wars on their fronts. Right. So remember that the Bible is, the Bible is written for us, but it wasn't written to us. Right, so you have to take the context of what it was written to at that point, right? So, wasn't it the lead in their cups that was ultimately the, the the demise of the Romans? Like they just went completely nuts. That's what I heard. Well, the, the the if you want to take a case in point to watch the downfall of a society, downfall of a civilization, take Rome and compare it to the Western civilization, especially with the U.S. at the head of it. They did the exact same things. Uh, 15, 16, 1700 years ago to destroy their empire that we're doing right now. 
they coin clipped, right? So yeah. they got to the point where the money was essentially copper coins with gold painted on it, right? Um, they were sexually disgusting, right? Like there was, they, they committed abortions. They had uh, the Colosseums. Their, their idea of sport was let's let people get squid games, apart squid games. And yeah, exactly, exactly. Like Hunger Games, Squid Games, it's all of the same stuff. It's like, let's watch people get ripped apart, raped by animals. Uh, like the Christians though, this is the thing. This is the thing. The thing that bothers me is that the Christians during that time were the ones to create an imperio in imperium, which means a state within a state or a government within a government. And they displaced the collapsing Roman government. And Christian courts rose up and Christian abortion services rose up. Like, basically, they just would... Whoa, what? So their, Roman their Catholicism. Idea, so their idea, like the, the Romans' idea of abortion, obviously they didn't kill... The, the baby in, in the womb is that the, the baby was born and then they'd throw it on a dumpster pile and Christians would come along and then adopt the baby as their own. Now the, the government at the time made that illegal, but they still did it. Right. Um, they still adopted the babies in and, you know, so they the planted that. Yeah. So they, 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 they Oh yeah. And lots of, uh, uh, cultures in history have dashed their babies onto rocks if they didn't get the baby that they wanted or, Right, like this is this is the way of, of the, the world, right? Like outside of the truth, but but the, the Christians supplanted Rome. Now, just because um, Constantine declared Rome to be uh, a, a Christian empire at that point, it doesn't mean that that's the birth of Roman Catholicism. Because again, Roman Catholicism is has gotten really really bad over the centuries right it was it was just this was a christian nation which rewrote their laws based on the word of god like constantine and his wife who was a believer as well rewrote the entire constitution and then you ended up having the eastern roman empire which the byzantine empire which was the first ever christian empire it lasted for 1100 years and it's the longest ever empire but it was based on god's law and it was longer the than the Ottoman empire yeah, longer than the Ottoman Empire, by quite a long shot. It was 1,100 years. And the American Constitution, in many ways, was written uh, uh, based upon God's law. And, and that is a really an amazing thing going for it. But the thing is, is that it's being subverted. And whereas the church this time, the church isn't rising up this time. It was, it was also based a lot on the, uh, the Haudenosaunee Great Law of Peace as well. Um, we had a, uh, a treaty that goes back, you know, several thousand years as well. We've had a long-lasting empire. Yeah, I, I don't know American history, but as well, but Wait, which empire? What 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 treaty? The Haudenosaunee, so my people, the, were the like the Mohawk, the Oneida. There's there's a, there's there's six six nations in total. Um, and we've had the Confederacy of the Five Nations, and we have this in our history going back, you know, 2,000 years, possibly. Um, and it was, we, the, we had something called the Great Law of Peace, which was our governing sort of document. We still hold it as valid to this day. Um, and the Constitution of the, the United States was drafted, actually, off a bit loosely. There was actually um, chiefs that sat in on the kind of drafting of it and gave advice. 
And look how the federal government has just subverted all of that and just gobbled that all up. And the same thing has happened in Canada. Like there was treaties put with the Canadian um, First Nations people here as well. And they had the right to be their own people. They had a treaty. They were never beaten. They were never defeated by the British. And they had their own land. But then, of course, the crown comes in and just completely subjugates them, just as they subjugated all of us under their fiat evil system. Yeah, Chief, Chief Tayundanuga, he's actually my, my avatar. Uh, he sided with the British during the, um, the, the, the Revolutionary War. Um, and, and his reasons for siding with the, with the British and the king was nothing to do with the actual king himself. He said that, well, this is a war between brothers. Um, and we've sworn our allegiance previously to the king. So to go against that and side with the rebels would be to break our law. And our, our people have held our law in for thousands of years. We've kept our word. So his argument for joining the British was basically based on their word. And when they lost to George Washington, um, us, the Mohawk, we actually lost all of our homelands. And we got kind of sent up into Canada in, in Canadian reserves. Well, I mean, this is this is just the fiat world in a nutshell, right? Like, it really is. It's I don't believe that nation states should exist at all. I don't believe that um, we should have borders. We should have passports. We should we shouldn't have any of these things because the the people in local areas should have their own uh, sovereignty, and that you can then. Uh, work within the smaller local areas too. And we should be free. Like passports weren't even a thing until a hundred years ago. Well, I, I don't believe we should have socialized borders, but like if we have, you know, assuming private property, you have private borders. Yes. Yeah. So the borders are God's law, not fences and border guards and politicians. This is also called natural law as well. Um, it's what actually all indigenous people are governed under is natural law. Yeah, I mean, natural rights, natural law, um, you know, what have you. I mean, it, it all it all comes from a, uh, you know, the, the individual is sovereign. And, you know, uh, someone was saying, yeah, God is sovereign. Uh, this was probably about, like, 20 minutes ago. Um, and I was just thinking, like, you know, people don't understand. A lot of people today, they don't understand sovereignty. And um, I think, like, pulling, pulling uh, yourself away from sovereignty because you want like convenience, you want safety, security. Um, it's literally pulling you away from God too, because, um, to better understand God, you have to understand sovereignty. Um, because that's, that's part of the whole package. Um, and if you don't, don't understand sovereignty from experience, it's going to be a lot harder to understand God. So, um, so, like having like ceding your sovereignty to a quote sovereign um, is mm. is keeping that separation there, and they're uh, they're banking on that. That's literally what they're banking on. They're banking on that separation, um, and it, it's it's my thought that um, sin ultimately is separation. Um, mm. It's ultimately separation, uh, and like I've I've seen this like like the the graphic of like there's like a chasm and then there's like the cross that goes in the middle and connects it. Um, and yeah, like love ultimately is connection and sin is disconnection. So they are mere images of each other. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, um, I think, and another reason why, why, uh, 
it all this all makes sense to me is because uh, Jesus is the uh, the prototypical, or he's like the the prototype. Well, for lack of a better word, um, the, the you know the ultimate perfect uh, version of uh, of a man and God, right? And mm. so that is it's it's like sovereignty. It's like individual sovereignty all the way up because uh, God is the ultimate sovereign, and then it's uh, it's like a connection to our own sovereignty. Um, because if you destroy the individual, it's like, if you're, if you're anti-individual, you're anti-God because God is an individual. Um, and God is in all things, but it's like this, um, it's like this paradox almost where it's like, God is the logos and the, uh, the, the logic of the universe, but then also God is an entity, um, a single uh, deciding entity. Whereas like today, if you, if you are someone who is strong willed and like makes decisions, you may be seen as a tyrant, you know, like, because all of these constructs are taking agency away. And that's why ultimately I, I do think that, uh, democracy is actually just, it's a, it's a shoe in, it's a, um, it's a shoe in for taking agency away. Um, and I, I get that like the ancient, um, you know, ancient Greek city states were different. It was different centralization. Um, and sure. If you have like, if you have up from the bottom, you have some people that have voting rights in like, say you have like five people and then you, you can vote amongst those five people. Sure. You could say technically that's democracy, but it's democracy. It's consensual in the sense that like they're coming into it and they are people with agency. Whereas, the way that it's done now, it's it's democracy, but it's like this mass amalgamation of a bunch of people that don't really have a say, um, and it's it's not actually a, a voluntary sovereign decision. Four to five citizens love democracy, right? Huh? Four to five citizens love democracy, right? Yeah, right. The thing exactly. is with democracy, democracy only works when the or I, I should say only works or, or works best when the collective religion of the people are the same. Um, so if you take, for example, democracy 200 years ago in Britain, where everybody would consider themselves Christian, understand God's law. Now, not everyone is what we would call maybe a quote unquote born again Christian, but people, people understood that there was God and he has a law and that we're all under the same um, under the same rules, preset rules. If you look at like modern day Japan, even like the, the amount of lawyers flying around in Japan are much less than the amount of lawyers in the U S or Canada, right? Because there was a, there's, there's a lot more agreement. People recognize like, even though there's Shinto and I wouldn't agree with the religion. It's just that everybody does agree with it. So uh, democracy works a lot better. Now we live in a secular humanist society where there is a whole pantheon of gods and we have immigration happening and all kinds of stuff. I'm not against immigration at all, but the thing is, is that you have now have, you have a melting pot, not of races because it's not about race. It's about belief system. Everybody believes something different. So when you have a democracy, you voted a whole bunch of people that believe vastly different things into the same room to try to fight out how to organize culture. And 
politics finds its root in religion. Everybody is religious. Even if you're atheist, you just have a belief that there is no God and that is your religion. It's a, it's a faith presupposition. And when you mix all these different people together, democracy cannot work. So this is why we tend towards totalitarianism. Secular humanism does, is not strong enough to hold culture together. So we are going to move towards one or other of the religions. There's also no skin in the game. What do you mean? Um, like it's uh, like if you go back uh, to you know the the, the founding of the United States, um, and there you know there was only property um, only property owners could vote initially, um, and a lot of people read today they go re oh my god that's racist that's sexist you know all that. Well, at the time, um, you know I, I don't know if it was anyone who was non-white, but um, African Americans. Blacks, for sure, um, could not own property at that time in the United States. Uh, women could not either. Um, now, I understand the whole the property uh, ownership for voting. That that makes sense. But like, just allow anyone to own property, right? You know. So so then you take all that, the whole sexism, racism thing, out of it. Um, and if you own property, then you you have a skin in the game. Whereas now you have like you know landlords versus renters you have like all these different dichotomies of like um not only are you on the opposite end of a contract which is a mutually typically a mutually beneficial voluntary contract um and now the different sides of those voluntary contracts are pitted against each other and blown up and mass like you know and then uh, extrapolated to the entire society so that we are, if you, if you take that to its end game, we are literally incapable of having any interaction with each other at all whatsoever without hey, some and, kind and of... Hey, your mic's on. You're washing dishes or something there. Oh, yeah, shit. Sorry, I was going to say something. Like, like, uh... Uh, yeah, well, actually, if I get for... Um, uh, I just want to kind of tie back to the whole, um, like, you know, God works through individuals. And, you know, like, Satoshi is, you know, God's work, really, because if you think about it, it's like, you know, kind of embodiment of the Christian values, regardless of whether he's Christian or not, he's still embodying Christ, uh, or Christ is embodying him, or embodied within him, um, or her, or whoever. But, uh, you know, kind of going back also to the United States, though, uh, you know, everyone said, you know, America's a Christian nation, and it's like, it's not a theocracy, but it is a um, it is a, a state that was instantiated in the principles of Jesus. And like, actually, you know, pretty interesting. Like, I actually been just reading through um, Je- the Jefferson Bible. You know, he edited out all the supernatural shit, and it's just uh, the, what's, what's the actual title? It's the uh, life and morals of yeah. Jefferson about life and morals of Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting what he left out and what he left in, but in book, um, I think it does a pretty good job of encapsulating a lot of that. But, um, you know, I think, you know, part of, you know, all the politics comes down to values. And to say that America is not a Christian country or a Christian nation 
is just like completely missing misunderstanding you know the values that it was set upon and you know really i don't blame people in this day and age because i don't know how many of you've really read through the original you know like thomas man you put all the enlightenment thinkers right around 1776 like it is an entirely you, get, you have an entirely different impression of what america is about you know based on what was in the what was in the air what was in the water uh back then so, you know the printing press was new and it's all going everywhere and um, you know, there's newspapers, all stuff, and you have all these great thinkers that were really, you know, just laying out these groundbreaking treatises on what is government, what is what is its role, and you know, what is the nature of hum- humanity around that as well. Uh, gov- like a successful governance system needs some sort of shared truth, right? Like you need some form of truth that's that's objectable between all parties, and I think that's the, one of the another beautiful things about Bitcoin is it is like kind of the very first tangible thing in front of us of, of immutable truth, right? It's, it's not something that people have to agree on based on their viewpoint or not. It's like you kind of have no choice whether to agree on it or not. It's like part of the game, right? And that's such a fascinating thing. And back to like um, skin in the game, that was like the story of, of, of Cain and Abel, right? Like Abel had skin in the game, literally, um, and Cain didn't. And Cain was also a builder of cities. Um, and he, he, he kind of was like a, a centralized structure of, of civilization, tiller of land and builders of cities versus, um, you know, herder of flocks and like more of a nomadic lifestyle based on the land, not based on the powers and the structures of, of you know, your city. Because that, that was what begat sin. It says that right in Genesis. It's always the cities versus the land, isn't it? I think that this goes back, like there's there's this idea, we have the coastal cities, the coastal elite, all that, the corporate press, and then we have uh, the, uh, quote, country bumpkins. Um, and, you know, I the more I thought about this over the years, the more I come to the realization that, this isn't just like an America thing. This isn't just a European thing. It's not just a, you know, it's not even just a political thing or, you know, the last few hundred years. I think that this is literally since the dawn of humanity or the dawn of, of, of like larger the first cities, bro. The first tellers of land and builders of cities. Like, I feel like it's just so clearly written there. Like I'm not one who takes the Bible and thinks there was literally two people that begat all of humanity in the Middle East 6,000 years ago, because that's, that's like a completely illogical theory. But I think that it tells a very good story through archetypes. Like, like I said, I'm Hodor Nassani. We have our own um, creation story, which is kind of has, it's told through archetypes as well, right? But they're all kind of tell the same story. And to me, it says we were once at harmony with the land, and then we ascended to a place of knowledge through the eating of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And then knowledge led to two kind of paths for humanity. What do we do? Do we like stay true to the land, not accumulate wealth in tangible gold or silver or any of this sort of corruptible things? We actually accumulate wealth in resources. We have cattle, we have sheep, we have goats, we have our, we have our herd animals and we have our land, right? And then that's what is God's bounty and that is kind of blessed by God because we honor the life cycle. And then there's another path where, hey, we actually build cities, we till the land, and that leads full, 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 uh, full story to, you know, cornfields and soy fields and canola fields 
and the deterioration of our rivers and our waters and our soil itself until that process is no longer sustainable. It says that Cain hid his face from God um, and, and was cursed with a mark. And I think that this kind of describes the fact that we live in a society full of chronic illness and disease because we have kind of just totally adopted fully the ways of Cain. Um, and, and there's very little people living the ways of Abel anymore. Man shall not live on bread alone. Yeah, I but by wanted, every word from the mouth of God. Yeah, I, I want to just kind of like throw in a little bit of, I guess, maybe theory on, you know, uh, land versus city. And, you know, with an agrarian economy and, and you know, being nomadic, whatever, and to your flocks, it's straightforward. You know, you lose a sheep, like, you know, you know who's responsible for that. It's um, going back to skin in the game. Everyone has a very clear understanding of responsibility and who's to, who's to blame for a thing. And, you know, you have immediate feedback on, on your consequences. I mean, you know, eat your seed crop, it takes a year, but that's pretty immediate and pretty definite. Um, but, uh, whereas you start to get to a city, you have this super complex, relatively, uh, relative to an agrarian economy, uh, complexity of relationships and, um, understanding of who is generating value and who's responsible and who's, uh, to blame when something goes wrong because cities are way more, more, way more complex. And, you know, it's just like any connection theory, you know, uh, as the number of participants go up, the number of possible connections between them goes up exponentially. And therefore, once you start to congregate in a larger group, you end up with this, this, uh, just intractable, uh, problem of having people being responsible and, and being able to properly award people the, the, their just desserts for, efforts and the value that that's like the above about. 200 problem or 150 i think it is right like when you get beyond 150 you can't track yeah. everyone anymore yeah dunbar's currency solved that yeah dunbar number um the, you know the invention of monies you know to, to a limited degree solved that for us to grow and i kind of wonder that you know not to you know be blasphemous or anything here but um you know the bible was written a long time ago and um while I, I believe a lot of the truths are true, like maybe we can expand our ability to be, uh, be you know, beyond just being nomads in, in that sense and being the country bumpkins um, through Bitcoin by, by having this, by not having this distortion at the basic way we economically communicate amongst each other. Uh, maybe we can really expand um, this circle of accountability and, and direct responsibility and traceability that, you know, you get Bitcoin ties wealth to the land. It ties it ties production, productivity, profit to the land, to energy. So I mean, it it does. It makes so much sense to me that 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 this is uh, that that Bitcoin is um, has some element of of divinity to it uh, because it's like corruption. Yes, things become corrupted over time, um, and if they're, you know, third parties are security holes, all of that. But like with this, you don't need to rely on the city. Like, like it's, it's been like, okay, the, the cities rely on the country because they're, they're bringing their food into the city. But then the, the country outside, um, relies on the city for the demand and sure still rely on, you know, the concentrations of humans for the demand. 
Um, but but the over financialization, um, the, the the services that pop up around that don't need to be there. They don't need to be located in like in the cities now. It 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 can be anywhere. It can be anywhere and everywhere. Um, I, that it's 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 like it's omnipresent and it's um yeah it's it's not bearing false witness. So um I I am I am hopeful that um that building up from Bitcoin uh will keep more keep a natural balance because Bitcoin is natural. I think like a long form version of this like where it takes us is like groups of people like citadels, right? That exist in under a hundred under that Dunbar's number, right? And you have cooperating societies that work well and they're resource rich. And if you look at like Revelations twenty two, like possibly depicting the use of the hemp plant, right? That would unite all the nations in a way that we wouldn't have uh, a shortage of any resources. If if you look at what the plant, the hemp plant can be utilized for, you can grow everything, all the comforts of modern society from it. And I think that that's like you know, a, a possible version of the future that Bitcoin brings us to because we have this threat of immutable truth we can share through all citadels, through all societies, all nations. And then you have these sustainable groups of people that kind of hold them, hold themselves accountable within their own governance forms. And that's just kind of left to however that develops within the, those places. And freedom of movement kind of ensures freedom of speech and freedom of living. And if you want to... Co- 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 cooperate outside of your group. Well, there's Bitcoin for that, right? And and the uh, the hemp even produces the cud upon which our food uh, eats. Dude, everything, like every single thing. It's like it says twelve. It says that the fruit it yields her fruit once every month, and that there's twelve different types of fruit from it. So that means that you get like you know. 12 different categories of things and you get them 12 times a year. And I mean, that is the hemp plant. And if you think about it growing beside the you know, stream, streams of rivers of waters of life, like streets of rivers, it sounds like a giant hydroponic setup, sort of speak, you know, um, especially if you start looking to the Greek words, like the roots for power and throne and lamb and all these different things. Like it sounds to me like John was trying to describe a utopia of the future that he had no words for just like he had no words for the apocalyptic events, you know, he didn't have words for machines and uh, nuclear bombs, you know, (laughs) like a black hawk helicopter is like a dragon spitting fire. Oh dude, it's insane. Like imagine seeing this stuff. Like if you saw a vision of like, if you were in like, you know, 30 AD and you saw a vision of like the next 2000 years, like what, what do you even call that? Like, you know, yeah. how did he even write that down? Like he must've had some mad PTSD, yo. Well, it's, it says that, you know, it's his repeated fear not and stuff, right? Like, I, I personally believe that he was on a high dose of psilocybin, and that's the angel clothed in fine white linen that, that you know, spoke to him in the spirit. Um, but, you know, that's just my opinion. It just it seems to me that, like, that is what led to all that experience. Then he wrote it down because he, was, he felt, like, this significant meaning behind it. Like, oh, these are really things to come. Like, this is going to happen, and they're gonna, it's going to happen shortly. And in the big specter of things, 2,000 years ago is like yesterday, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, so you um, I mean, I've heard from Rogan many times, too, that, uh, you know, you tend to think that, like, the, the bush was um, Mimosa Hostilis or something like that. 
Because uh, mimosa hostilis is the is the bark that uh, is used to to um, is used for for DMT generation or uh, uh, not generation, but whatever the word yeah, is. Yeah, sorry, I'm having the connection issues. Yeah, I might, have, I might have talked to you offline about hemp. I'm looking at buying like a big fucking ranch in Texas, so be definitely interesting. Oh yeah. It's far more likely to have been an acacia bush than a mimosa. Entropy <laughs> land is a shit coin. It's the bank's paying for it, ain't? Okay, that's kind of based. I'll give you that. As long as you're prepared <laughs> to defend, as long as you're prepared to defend your land with violence when when the bank comes to repossess it. Same oh, land is a yeah. shit coin. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Like if the bank ain't paying for it, at least ninety percent of it, I ain't buying it. But uh, there is this cool company I just found out about, Opolis, and like they. You, you can just set your wage to whatever the fuck you want it to be and go to the bank. Oh, I've known about them. I actually, yeah. the, the creator came back, uh, back when I was in, uh, Colorado, the, the founder of that came to a meetup. Actually, were you, were you at that meetup? I don't know. Honestly, I knew about them. I just never knew what the fuck they did for it. So, uh, I this was, this was wild, here in yeah. LA that, uh, that they were talking about it. Like, Oh shit. I knew about you guys. I just didn't know what you did. So. Highly recommend it if you're trying to buy land without, you know, spending some coin. Just FYI, everyone. Hemp, hemp could be grown, I think, too. Like, I have a friend who's an electrical engineer, and I ran this by him. I said, do you think this adds up, like, on the equation of things? He's like, maybe. Like, you'd have to, like, break everything down and measure everything and really see. But theoretically, yes. Um, the fact that hemp produces more energy, like the potential energy is the seed, right? And it grows into the full plant. That that produces more than enough energy to run the lights and like, say, like if you grew it vertically, right? Like you just grew a sky rise full of hemp, right? And and you ran the lights, and you ran the water systems and the pumps, and all the energy that you have to input to kind of run that system is less than what the hemp produ- plant produces in that given cycle. So then you have a surplus of energy that the kind of renewable aspect is the seed, and it just kind of keeps on going, keeps on going, and you you actually have an energy machine. You have a generate like a surplus from that equation. Right. Um, and then you, for inputs for growth, you take that from everything else, right? Like you use food waste, for example, you could use food waste, break it down with methane, um, run Bitcoin miners, and then you get a byproduct of uh, fertilizer from that. And then that fertilizer, you can then grow hemp. And then from that hemp, you can then create more energy. And then you're just on a whole surplus of energy, which is, I think, like the long term game of Bitcoin, right? Is that like we live in a surplus world where there's no more scarcity and Bitcoin kind of represents the only thing that's scarce? Well, scarcity would still exist because scarcity, there's a couple different definitions of scarcity. Like there, like there's the definition of there is a local scarcity of this good, but scarcity in general, scarcity, the overall scarcity is just the fact that there is limited time. Then, uh, there is, you know, uh, humans want, you know, more than what they have and, uh, right more than time, what they're yeah. able to get right now. Right. Um, and so there always will be scarcity. And I, a lot of people think that abundance is the opposite of scarcity. It's actually that's not the case unless you're talking about that. OK, a local scarcity of those goods uh, versus a local abundance of those goods. That's just shortage and sh- surplus scarcity in general is, yeah, just like not having like absolutely everything you could possibly want all right now at the same time. And that's I mean, you know, then we can go down the hedonism rabbit hole, but that's kind of like a different conversation. Um, but yeah, just, um, yeah, I, 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 I foresee, you know, a radical abundance coming and 
and um, yeah, it's 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 mirrored by the uh, the scarcity of Bitcoin. Um, I also wanted to ask what what you think about rewilding the land. I'm I'm really taken with that idea. I really like the idea yeah, of rewilding the land. You got especially to be careful, because, bro, because there's like a whole false narrative around rewilding out there. Though, if you like actually look in the internet, the whole term has been hijacked, and it like represents like forced surveillance and like great reset. And like, there's a whole like dark no, rabbit no. hole you can go down. Yeah. No, no, no. I I understand what you mean. I, I yes. I, I don't mean it's like I don't pseudo mean, rewilding, um, pseudo wild. There's a whole like transhumanistic movement tied in with like a for- surveillance forest model. Like this goes right. into like rationing and carbon crisis. And like, oh no, 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 right, right, right. No, I'm not. I'm not into the uh, lack of human impact upon the land because it's actually innately anti-human. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about um, rewilding the sense of like um, may- maybe not wild as in no uh, human impact, but um, no longer mass, uh, mono, mono mass agriculture. Um, oh, hundred percent dude. Yeah. This is like permaculture, permaculture um, and like Citadel future. Like everyone yeah, produces their own resources in the future. Um, grazing animals. Um, because uh, like I, I'm passionate about bringing back the bison. Um, and there's regenerative agriculture with like, you know, uh, rotating the, the cattle, you know, to, to mimic that, but also like, I like the idea of really just bring back the bison. Dude, this is a um, prophecy, bro. This is a native American prophecy, like the white Buffalo. Like this is like akin to the story of Jesus in native American lore. Like really? Yeah. The dude. White Buffalo. The white Buffalo. Yeah. Look it up. I've heard of the white Buffalo, but I don't really know much about it, but I'm just like, I just want to see it so bad because like I, uh, I've, learned about like okay after the civil war the union army goes out west and they start massacring the native americans you know and, and i get that they weren't all peaceful and everything and there's that there's that idealization by you know progressives that um you know that like oh it was just you know white man's imperialism and it's not just that it's just that humans are uh, imperfect um but going back to that um I, the the union army basically to dis, to destroy their food the native american food supply they massacred the buffalo they they just they decimated the buffalo um and it wasn't just the hunting uh, i i'm i'm sure that like a lot of uh a fair amount of it was you know perhaps hunting but like really they just massacred the bison the union army did um and i've always thought like man that is so stupid because you're not only screwing them not only is it wicked and evil um but it's you're 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 screwing your posterity every generation. If you care about the generations to come, which they, you know, they were conquering this continent for, you know, for, uh, you know, supposedly, or uh, for what you would think is, you know, their posterity, their, their legacy, they're, they're screwing their legacy. Um, they're, they're destroying the land, you know? And it, so I really want to bring back, bring yeah, back but now Bill Gates, bring back, now bring Bill back Gates can till the land though, man. Now, now Bill Gates can till it. Oh yeah. Right. Yep where that's where it leads like it took the land away from the from the herd animals and it in in the long form of the story and gave it to the ultimate tillers of the land right like let's just grow mcdonald's potatoes on the whole thing right i watched a map of uh bill gates's holdings honestly like from somebody that grew up in the midwest like i know people with farms larger than he has holdings in some states um like it seems like a lot his size particular, just the ideology behind it, right? Like this monocropping, oh, yeah. like, like he's just, I guess, like the boogeyman. <laughs> he's a good kind of like scapegoat for all of that. 
because he's just completely at he's just completely disassociated i think with nature but if you look at that just idea that mindset like oh we're just gonna you know if you just drive through the midwest or if you drive across the prairies of canada all it is is like monocrop fields as far as the eye can see yeah oh yeah it's crazy i even have uh, i grew up in iowa and like there's um uh, a bunch of my relatives are farmers and it's just like, yep, just normal, whatever, just put up, yeah, they're just commercialized farmers. They're not like really in on the land and everything and like, you know, really into the science of it. It's just like, oh, I got my truck and my tractor. They're, and they're just debt bubbles in and of themselves, yeah. man. The whole agro, yeah. the whole agro industry is a debt bubble. Like that's what it's based There's on. There's no skin in the yeah. game. It's just, it's, it's like, oh, I just, want the production from that. I want my rust potatoes so I can deep fry them False in canola oil. Yeah. Well, it's uh, also been like a slow boil for them too, though. Like, you know, it used to be, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different seed growers out there and hybrids. But then, you know, as, as you know, hybridization and um, selection got out there it's, and, you know, with the financialization of everything as well, um, you know, you, you've gotten this down to like three main seed providers and then, yeah, your big ag is just a total fucking thing, and it's like. And then you have intellectual property on the oh, seeds, yeah. and yeah. then if they blow over into another farmer's patch, then they can sue the farmer. It's uh, it's 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 madness, and it's maddening. It's um, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, um just as a side, yeah, like the IP thing. There's a pretty dystopian vision of that in uh Daniel Suarez's Freedom novel. It's actually the second one in the series, but like you can read it without the first one without being completely lost. Um, but I'd recommend both uh, both it's Damon and Freedom. But as it ends up with a hopeful note. I'm not gonna spoil anything. But uh, that that was featured in it was you know like <laughs> these black SUVs pull up and it's like hey we just, we're in your field and like we look it looks like you have some you know genetics that you're not supposed to have and it's like you know that what? flew into my field. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, but like. Yeah, it's, it's about where we're at, though, really. I mean, you see some lawsuits out there. And then, like, not to mention with, like, John Deere's, like, fighting the, the right to repair and things. Like, um, it's it's pretty it, – it's – I don't know. There's, there's going to be a reckoning, and I can't wait. But it's really just being propped up mostly by corn subsidies. Like, it's insane what we're doing in this country. Like, there's no reason for having all that corn that's monocropped for just hundreds and hundreds of miles. It's, it's fiat food, man. It's fiat food. Like, I, I, oh, yeah. I have a stance now where, like, I won't work for fiat anymore at all. Like, I either I'm going to work for Bitcoin and get paid for Bitcoin, like, in true form of value, or I'm going to, like, work towards making food for my family. You know what I mean? Because I think that, like, resource-based mindset is like this is, is a bitcoin it's like a mindset it's a, it's a uh, low time preference mindset because the the rest of it's just a dragon like chasing chasing fiat dragon is just yeah burning your life you know well and i think you know that's kind of the thing with like i kind of let's try to explain this to somebody uh the other day about what bitcoin really is and it's like it's more akin to a force of nature you know it, it's not even a it's not a currency it's not a, a, a financial product it is a facet of the world, you know, instantiated by a massive amount of energy and just the most basis of incentives and, and game fear around that, that it is as close to a real physical digital object, you know, as far as its um, properties and it being, you know, immutable in the sense of um, a Bitcoin is a Bitcoin and there's no confusion about what Bitcoin is. It has properties as like defined by science almost, you know, that it is 
uh, set in stone more or less. Um, and I feel like, yeah, Bitcoin ends up being the closest, it's the only really like financial instrument, if you want to call it that, that is in that resource based view. What is this? It is the alt, it is the opposite of hubris. No longer will man dictate money. Yeah. Well, and, and actually just to, you know, go back to the whole, um, religious aspect of it, you know, talking about time preference, like, you know, from a game theoretic standpoint, the invention of religion and God and afterlife is, you know, the biggest boon to humanity because now we can push our time preference out to infinity and therefore we can do things that make absolutely no sense from a selfish individualist standpoint, but look at the greater whole and like, what good can I do for God that, you know, would repay me in the future because I can get my rewards after death. And that means I can push off uh, my selfishness and my desire for reward and getting ahead into the infinite future. And I feel like with Bitcoin, like it is like, it's a fundamental shift in uh, how the world can function in terms of what is possible. Like it's like the invention of, of, you know, Boss Haber process or whatever, you know, it's something that completely shifts the, 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 the numbers on things that Bitcoin is in some ways, this invention of religion again, um, that you're able to push your time preference into infinity because there's only ever going to be 21 million that there is no, um, you, there's nothing, there's nothing on the horizon that you have to worry about. And there's nothing on the sides of it that can really attack it in any way that me stacking fats is building, you know, yeah, it's the rock you know, that you build your church on. You know, it's the foundation of, uh, being able to build into the future. It's the third party that humans uh, need, right, to have a peace, peaceful society. Uh, any any successful society in, in in history has always had like like um, someone mentioned before, unified religion. They've always had a same religious perspective, and that allowed them to kind of come together, place their faith in in God or gods, whether it was God or gods. It it still held that placeholder of you know, externalized truth that was objectable to all the parties. And and before Bitcoin, we've never had a tangible version of that, something that can be like manifested into reality, right? Yeah. I, I, I think, um, yeah, it is like going back to the whole Christian nation um, idea that well, when, we, when it was founded, like it's most bunch of fucking Puritans and shit, you know, like, we're all in pretty much the same uh, basket of values that we, we fundamentally held. And I, you know, it's really the core of it. And then this is where, um, you know, yeah, having a unified society is having unified values. But now there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, talk of, and I, I, I like the terminology a lot better because secession's got a lot of, you know, like, you know, bad, you know, mojo around it. But, uh, you know, like national divorce, that like, we have people, and uh, that's like fundamental value differences in, usually a good cause for divorce. And uh, I feel like we have gone so far from, you know, this concentration of Christianity and, and knowing what we're about in terms of our values that uh, we can't hold all this stuff together anymore. That maybe, you know, the locusts need to go their, their own way and, you know, California can go sliding the sea and, you know. Well, a meritocracy, bro. That's what Bitcoin enables. Like, if you think about a future where, like, 
if your ideology doesn't have merit and you can't sustain your ideology outside of Big Brother's intervention, then like your yeah. ideology will collapse, right? That's nature's a meritocracy. That that's why it works. Yeah, and you you see that ultimately with like uh, like Bill C sixteen up in Canada, they're trying to tell people like you have to give the you have to tell people give you know you have to force yourself to say whatever pronoun someone else says. If not, you know, it's against the law. And it's like you know that the only way you're getting us to use that stupid language is by force. You know, and I'm not I'm very ever use that stupid fucking language. And even here, it's like you know I'd rather be canceled and you know be uncoop about shit and just say what I mean and you know, not mince words because it's way better than living a lie, you know? In, in a lot of ways, um, certain people's cancellations was their freedom. Not in every case, but in some cases like, Oh, wait a second. They took this from me and I was on that hook and now I'm no longer on the hook. I understand that, you know, there are people that do rely on that. Like if they're, you know, if they're streaming and everything like it, and then all of a sudden they have to figure it out. Um, like Alex Jones, for example. Um, but you know, a lot of people, they, um, I, I think they, they actually feel more free after that. Cause they're like, Oh, I was in this box. I, I didn't realize that this thing, that this thing is, is owning me, uh, that like, you know, we, um, <laughs> uh, maybe, it, maybe it's a little bit of, I actually, you know what? I don't think it's a stretch. Um, we, we kind of bend down when we look at our phones. It's like, we're, we're like kneeling to our phones, you know, we're like, we're, uh, what is it? Uh, praying to the neon God from, uh, the Simon and Garfunkel song, like go back and listen to that song and really listen to the lyrics. And, uh, yo, I've cried from that song. I've cried from that song. Um, mainly when I was listening to the, the disturbed version, um, because I do think I do actually, I think the disturbed version really hits, hits the feeling home, um, more effectively. Um, but yeah, man, like a ne- the neon God they made, like we made a neon God. <laughs> My my grandmother says they used to look at Revelations and wonder like how everyone's gonna. It says that all the world will see, like the the Antichrist or whatever. And it's like she she said that they wondered how that was gonna happen. She's like, well, how is that gonna work? Like no one could figure it out. And she's like, I understand now because like you know cell phones and all that shit. Yeah, I mean it's like the the whole we live in clown world, right? Clown world. It's 180 degrees backwards. Everything's flipped, right? So we have we have anti-racist, we have anti-fascist, and uh, I just say that it's uh, racism of the anti-variety and fascism of the anti-variety. Um, it's just a different type of that, you know. It's just like you know, it's just like any other moniker or any other um, prefix War that you would put in front of it. You know, um, it's some 1984 shit. It's it, it's like oh, because people label, label people are fucking retarded. Like the average, uh, my favorite quote. The best uh, argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter. You know, like people are fucking stupid. Yep. And when they say that anti-fascists, was... it's like, yeah, of course, yeah, go anti-fascists. It's like they don't even that understand was Churchill, what right? fascist means. I think it's Churchill, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like it's it's like, oh, the guys literally like you know shutting down freedom of speech, threatening violence, punching people in the streets without any due process. Um, bullying people like you know read some fucking history people like this is how fucking nazis happen you know and it's it's just insane but the problem is that works you know because there's people that care so much but don't actually put the effort in to really understand the issues or what will actually solve it 
um, there's a really good Joe Rogan podcast with, oh, I can't remember the guy, somebody, Schellen, Michael Schellenberger, I think, and he's talking about, you know, like, yeah, he was on the left, and he was, you know, considered progressive, and he did care about the homeless, and then, like, he actually dug down, it's like, oh, actually, no, just everyone's on drugs, you know, <laughs> and, uh, also, there's a homeless industry, and, oh, yeah. uh, I, I wasn't aware of this until the recent homeless farming Yes, there is. Yeah. There's a whole industry in California, and it's probably not just California, where um, they actually they the incentives are in such a way that homeless homelessness will never end. It will yeah. never end. Um, I mean, possibly it's a until false value, man. It's like the perfect representation of a false idol. Yes, I mean they're literally they're gaining off of their virtue signaling. It's 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 the most. Yeah, it's it's so it's. It's so evil. <laughs> I just there's no other word. Like I, you know, I mean, there are other words, but I. It's just it's just evil. It's just evil. It's de- it's so so deceitful, and you. I, I I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure how. I I certainly couldn't look myself in the face. I couldn't look myself in the mirror. Um, if uh, if if that were my my situation, um, but um. Going back, let's see what was this is strong out here, so you know, just <laughs> I just recommend everyone never live in LA. It's fun to visit, or, or California in general. It's fun to visit, but yeah, uh, sucks. Just FYI. Yeah, it's a treadmill. It's a it's a hamster wheel. They need they need their carrots on sticks out there. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just to go back to like the uh, the the re. The re the healing of the land. Um, I think that has a lot to do. Is yeah, it's just time preference, really. And um, we haven't been able to do that. We haven't been able to heal the land because uh, you can't heal the land with fiat. Um, do, do you foresee like a, I foresee this? I think like a Silk Road version of like food is coming. Like it's going to be that's going to run on Bitcoin, and it's going to be like the underground railroad it's going to be like a black market of food that's going to run on bitcoin i almost guarantee it's coming because like with oh because uh, like because yeah, the yeah. thing will be so <laughs> uh, dude for example in in my in my local area here there's been like uh like and this isn't just here but there's been like arson and stuff on on different like um state approved processing facilities let's say so it's harder and harder for people that are raising animals to process them and bring them to market. So if you go to a farmer's market now, it's all vegetables, right? So like you say, there's been there's been arson, arson, yeah, on like processing oh, by what, facilities like, by like eco terrorists. We don't know. Eco-terrorists. We don't know. It's just like arson, like anonymous arson. But it's like it's not just here. If you look, there's like a, there's a surge in it. If you just look at the statistics across the across the board, it's not just one area. I'm just using my area as like an example because it's like firsthand experience. You go to the farmer's markets, there's less and less meat, more and more vegetables because the ability, it's not that these farmers aren't raising animals, it's that they can't process them and legally bring them to market to sell to you. So you're forced into like, okay, well, we have to rely on the center, centralized ones that, oh, there's a meat crisis. Oh, there's this, thing, there's that. You better eat our processed goop. It's a failure of capitalism. Yeah, that's yeah why it's but it's like controlled. Like it's controlled demo. Right, exactly. Controlled demolition, great reset. Yeah. Um, so a black yeah, market where why. like we have animals, but we can't sell them to you legally. But hey, uh, send us a little bit of Bitcoin, and we got some animals. You might, you might, you can take, and you know, we'll teach you how to process it. Or, you know, well, that's what that's how CSAs CSAs get around that because a CSA. I, I always forget. Uh, I always forget what it stands for. Um, 
but and CSAs is a great thing because it's where people that uh, generally like fall down onto the left or fall down onto the right or whatever kind of cultural, um, you know, wherever you are on that. Um, a lot of people on any side are really down with CSAs. They really like CSAs. Um, and the thing about that is it's it's based on ownership. Like you actually, you, you pay, it's either like a subscription or you pay a bulk amount. You know, I, I'm sure that their CSAs have different, different types of structures, but it's more based on ownership. So consumer protection uh, laws and or regulations, pardon me, different thing. Um, still backed by the forces of the state, but not technically a law, I guess. Um, but yeah, that, that doesn't, it, it doesn't get into that realm because that's consumer protection. And we know it's not consumer protection. We know that it's um, specific large producer protection because it's captured. Um, right. It's a regulatory captured. But um, it, when, when, when you're all just owners and you have shared ownership, um, then you're not a producer, which is why like, hey, okay, uh, I want to own part of that cow. Okay, that means I own part of its production. So I get some of the milk. Like straight up, like boom, there we go. All right, I've staked, I've staked, you know, my ownership in this producing resource, and uh, now you're not a consumer because you were just someone who reaps the benefit of its production. They came down on cow shares hard uh, here in Canada, uh, like really? totally, like yeah, like like hardcore, like like they'll prosecute people selling raw milk at a much higher level of resources. Like they'll dedicate the government resources dedicate way more resources into that than like crack dealers like straight up like they don't care they like, sell crack sell heroin sell fentanyl wow. whatever we don't give a shit but like you're gonna sell raw milk motherfucker there's gonna be like 12 feds on you now like right now rcmp at your door what are you doing you know was this since trudeau was this in the last few years uh i think started before him I, I don't think it's any sort of talking head i think they're irrelevant it's it's an institutional problem wow that's incredible. That's yeah, what I mean. I, like that, it's coming. Like I, it's, I can just, I can see it's around, it's around the corner. Whoever can figure that out, and you know, super shadowy coders, super coders out there, get that yeah. rolling. Like that's the next Silk Road for sure. Yeah. No. I, well, it's kind of something that I want to try and do down in um, Texas is do some sort of um, food co-op. You know, try and keep it above board as much as possible. But you know, just. Um, what what uh, what they don't know can't hurt them kind of deal as far as feds are I mean but, too late you already said it on spaces yeah right but like <laughs> Jack's got you down now this, you know like uh, I don't know it, it, it's, it's a big idea right now so it's uh, yeah no no plans to break the law if any feds are listening <laughs> I think Twitter's the Trojan horse of the tech world I think, yeah. I think Jack designed Twitter to be the Trojan horse of the of the big tech world I think I think that's my personal opinion but. Oh, so you think you think uh, you think Jack's playing the game, and and I think his time preference is the lowest. Let's just say that. Okay, he did he did some weird weird shit the other day though. Apparently, because um, he just announced that Square might be getting into mining, right? Um, but apparently, uh, what, what's his name? Um, the, the Roman Catholic he, 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 with the kids, uh, uh, Bitcoin Core programmer. Uh, right before that, huh? yeah, Luke, Luke Junior. Luke, yeah, 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 Luke. Yeah, um, no, I, I heard that he's banned from Twitter. Did he actually get banned? Did he just get banned the day before? So that, that's that's what uh, that's what that tweet that I shared with you. Um, oh, here, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, no, yeah, you, you I'll find so, like, it. Was that actually true? 
like, I don't understand that. Because, like, what the fuck is Jack getting at? Is he, uh, is he owned? I, I, I don't know. I mean, so, here, here, let me, uh, share here. All right, it's, a, it's in the nest. So like Jack's not actually in the steering wheel of Twitter, though. That's the thing, right? I just think that, like, I think that that's why I'm saying it's like a Trojan horse to the tech world. I think it's like a so many conversations happen on Twitter that benefit the signal and the greater consciousness um, that I think it's like decentralized, even though it's not in a way. Like it's 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 the amount of voices makes it decentralized, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Um... Jack and uh, Jack and Elon are, are are some some guys that I'm I'm pretty iffy on. I I don't know. I don't know, man. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I, I got some inside info. Uh, I don't know. I I just judging from everything that Elon's doing and based on his favorite book suggestions and uh, just the way I see he's doing shit. Uh, I really think Elon's probably on our side. But like, okay, well, I mean, even thing. even if. The even whole, if he the whole is Bitcoin thing was even uh, ESG investment that if it was shown if, if it was if all the fud around it being not clean is enough to convince like hedge funds and all these other things to pull out um, investment like that would have had huge implications for Tesla going my, forward. My friend and has so a theory about. My friend I just, I just think that the the Neuralink, you know, it has this, it has this feeling to me. Like, and don't get me wrong, you know, adding, adding a certain amount of storage, adding some bandwidth, you know, that sounds super tempting. And like, oh, I would like to have some mental capacities that are, you know, beyond my own. Like, I would really, that sounds really tantalizing to me because I'm very like heady or not heady, not to my own horn, but I'm like, I, I think a lot, and and I get like in my own head. And I'm like, man, I, I wish I could just like intake this information faster. Right. Um, but it feels to me a little bit like a, you know, like kind of like once you do it, you can't go back kind of thing. And it does feel a bit like, um, like, uh, taking the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What does Ephesians it, think about that? <laughs> he has like a zero. Uh, he he, he tends to agree with, with that sentiment. He actually, he's actually, uh, more, um, more no, I, extreme is not the right word, but more, I, 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 that it feels like that to me, but he's, he's further, uh, convicted or he convinced of that. He has more conviction of that in, of that opinion. I've, um, I've heard it. I've heard it said. My friend has a theory that Elon is like actually pretty smart, smarter than most people to the point that like this, the whole SpaceX thing and the whole Neuralink thing are just like complete psyops to like further just burn money because he's so long Bitcoin that he's like, well, how can we burn fiat faster? Well, we could launch rockets and we could Nothing. design giant, <laughs> like we could gi design giant, like peg experiments that cost billions of dollars. Like those are good ways to burn fiat. Like, that's just, that's just a theory I've heard. And he's burning fiat more effectively than like literally <laughs> burning fiat. He's like, Hmm, four, $4 billion today. I think I just think I would do $4 billion. I'm I think so. Well, Send it but he to started, like the sky, right? And it come back down four billion. But he started SpaceX and Tesla before Bitcoin, right? Yeah, he's also like the originator of PayPal. Like he's got to have yeah, some deep financial with, connections that we don't even know Peter about. With Peter Thiel, right? 
Well, he was he was X.com. So uh, he owned X. He, he might actually still own X.com. If you and if you go to X.com, it's just a big X in the top left hand corner, straight up. Like it's yeah, like, he's no like a troll. Man. The guy's like a meme. He like he's a he is a meme. Like fuck. Like he could go. He could do space.x.com because that's within the X.com domain. Um, but. He, he so he owned that, but then they combined like PayPal either bought or merged with X.com, and that's when he was brought on. So he wasn't he wasn't like actually a. I'm just saying uh, he has connections, like probably in the back end of all that stuff. It just it's yeah. it's just a it's an interesting mind experiment. Like, what if he doesn't yeah. really give a shit about Mars? He's just like, hmm, how can we burn billions of dollars as fast as fucking possible? Yeah, I'm also Peter Thiel's another one of those that I'm like, you know, says a lot of good things in my opinion, but I'm like, I'm like iffy. I'm like, I don't know, because he's kind of running a private intelligence agency and Palantir, and Palantir is, you know, the, you know what a Palantir is, right? Like Lord of the Rings, like you know, it's like what a wizard has is the crystal ball. A Palantir is the crystal ball, um, and like that's the name of the company. So I'm like, okay, so what is this guy doing? Like, and like Mars is the ultimate like psyop in a way, like well, to be like, oh yeah, we're going to go to the spot uh, yeah. of the sky where that's where we're going guys. Like it's like, it's the most wildest claim. You can't really prove it. Like you could pretend to prove it. Like it's yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think, I think Elon's super serious about it. I mean, like honestly, someone uh, tweeted this the other day about him. Like he's the ultimate like doomsday prepper. Like, you know, making like the fucking Cybertruck is going to be bulletproof to fucking nine millimeters. Like, and that's just a commercially available car you can have. It's, it's freaking got a million mile battery on it and it's made out of stainless. Like that thing will last um, forever pretty much. But also, you know, going to Mars, like why did people fucking leave Europe uh, to get away from all that craziness? The Puritans just going to be left the fuck alone. And they came over here because they had this huge freaking moat that is the Atlantic Ocean that kept them away from anyone that was trying to fuck with them, you know? And, but what are the chances yeah. he pulls it off, though? Like, do you think he's actually getting to Mars? Do you think he's sending people oh, to Mars? I, I he's going to actually colonize it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, dude, I, like, super long. I'm, I'm going to be the first 10,000 people on fucking Mars if, if I have my way. Because, um, like, you know, what better place to be, uh, you know, on a new planet. It, what's it's interesting like, is it says in, in Revelations, right back to the Christian thing, this is like really far out there, but it does say that there shall be no more sea. It mentions that, that the sea shall not be anymore. Like there's no more sea. And like, theoretically, I mean, maybe he saw Mars. Maybe he was seeing the Martian atmosphere. <laughs> maybe the new heaven and the new earth is quite literally like Mars. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, I feel like, you know, that's the... You know, the new moat is, because I had this debate even with a friend, like, you know, what's the, uh, if, if we go to Mars and we start doing some radically cool shit out there, uh, what are they going to do? Nuke us? Like, they're going to nuke us from Earth? They don't, like, the government's don't. Martian permaculture. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the next, that's the next click. Yeah. Very high in iron. So, like, I don't know if I'd, I don't Much know if I'd live there long term, but, you know, but just, Politically, though, it'd be super interesting because you are you get to form your own government, and there's not a goddamn thing anyone else can say. More than your own government, you have to form your own uh, environment and ecosystem as well. Oh yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a bitch, but like whatever. Like after seeing what's going on in this fucking madhouse with COVID, like it's good, guys. We only have to create water. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you don't just have to create water. You also have to create uh, like artificial gravity. No, um, don't, don't, don't get complicated on us, bro. We, we're still trying to figure water out. Yeah. No, all you do is spin 
All you need to do is spin a cylinder so that the outward momentum is 9.8 meters per second squared, uh, just like in 2001 A Space you Odyssey. spin it faster. Yeah. <laughs> and then you do your workouts. You do your workouts at uh, 1G. Yeah. Well, the problem is you get you lose bone mass like whenever. Right. Like they have to work out like three hours a day, I think, on uh, with like restraints on to like keep their bones okay in the ISS. But he's talking about genetically engineering people. Yeah. Well, honestly, like whatever. Wire me up, Elon, with the fucking Neuralink and oh, genetic engineer my bones so they're gonna knock osteoporosis. Like we're getting better at that shit. Like we're gonna have AI and crap that's gonna be. Yes, so that's that's a bit. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about that. I understand. It sounds. It seems cool. Like I I, I want to like it, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know. I mean, the wirehead thing is a little little bit sketch, but you know, I I, I don't know. I I think there will be enough safeguards built into it that um you're not gonna end up getting hacked. You know, this isn't gonna be like. Ghost in the shell. I mean, I'll take that. I'll take the chance. He's gonna, he's gonna take all your private keys, man. He's uh, gonna just yank them right from your brain. Yeah, jokes. Brain wallet, damn. Nah. Um, no, I got, I got enough procedures that even to hack my brain would be pretty tough to get there. Um, Bro, yeah. Apparently, if you believe this uh, auto guy, this is apparently a claim time traveler. Uh, the Neuralink is like the. Apparently, the gateway to time travel in the future. <laughs> I mean, well, at, at some point, his brain's in a vat. You know, it's just like the Matrix. You can go back. You, you can live like uh, fucking, what's that game? Uh, Assassin's Creed, you know, where it's like you're in this, like, for all intents and purposes, you're in, you know, 1600 fucking Rome or whatever, stabbing people, you know? So, okay. So, you know, I, 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 I want to like it. And, but I, I get this I get this feeling in the back of my head that I'm like, at what point are we playing God? And I and I you know, I don't want to be the Luddite. I'm not a Luddite. However, is there a point at which you're playing God? I mean, as far as the AI question is concerned, like yeah, hundred percent. Uh check out this guy's profile in the nest. Um but like, yeah, it's it's uh, you know, what happens when AI it gets embodied and then we start giving it pain receptors and stuff? Or like, to teach AI, we need to give them sticks. Um, like, we're, we're causing harm to something that is more intense. For, like, we can't tell if it passes the Turing test, you know. But to get it to pass the Turing test, we have to like make it suffer. And then we can also create these, like, ad infinitum, create, like, infinite hells of suffering for these virtual beings. Like, that's kind of fucky. But, like, you know, at the same time, our, uh, you know, like, if evolutionarily-wise, like, to get to our level of intelligence, there's an untold, unimaginable amount of pain and suffering that took, it, took us to evolve to this point. And, like, we can't even fathom, you know, the millions of generations of just horrible ways of dying for us to, like, you know, have like I mean, there's a um, Darwin went to the the zoo, and uh, was he would stand there in front of the, the snake cage, and then he would try his hardest not to flinch when the snake would, would come out. Even if he knew there's plenty of glass there, no chance of dying. It was he, he realized this, and he tried with other people too that it's pretty much an innate, you know, bred in response that is unavoidable because we died enough from snakes that we had this 
you know, instantaneous, uh, you know, lower level hardware, hard coded reaction to it. Well, it's that the, the people that were already scared are the ones that, are, that survived. So they passed that gene down. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like a lot of fucking people had to die and all that suffering. And it's like, well, if we start creating eyes, like it's not obvious that we can't have AIs that are actually worthwhile without some sort of stick to, you know, uh, get them to survive in the proper, proper things. But it's like, you know, can we, can we actually create artificial life, you know, as far as intelligence is concerned and like, you know, what's, I mean, what's the line between that? I mean, arguably that's what Bitcoin is or it's a manifestation of all the participants intelligence. And I don't know if it's necessarily playing God if you create AI. Now I'm very tech illiterate, I guess you would say. But just it's the same problem that you have with putting so much faith into central planners or a cabal that tries to make some AI machine. Like, frankly, Bitcoin is like the AI because it's, it's pattern recognition based on people's incentives. And so it, I, I don't think there's a problem with quote-unquote playing God other than the fiat money system because that is fucking with incentives as it is. Oh, you're really and, stealing people's lives. Like, you know, you're yeah, like, with fiat, yeah, you are. Because, like, for me, when I got into Bitcoin, I had, you know, I was fucking 20 and I had stocks, bonds, and real estate. And the only reason I had that was because my parents were smart enough to tell me about fucking inflation early on. And so I'd start managing my own fucking investments when I was like fucking in high school, you know? And it's like, I shouldn't have to do this just so that way my childhood isn't stolen. Cause I have worked since I was in fucking my third grade. So yeah, it's like, right. we're not paying for your college, but you got to work for it. I'm like, okay, great. Hey, just, so, so like, just literally, like, I view my wealth as liquefied childhood, you know? And like, yeah, yeah. Right. I think we're talking past each other, but I'm, I'm saying, I don't think there's anything called like playing God other than, Fiat or a complete all-out like Panopticon, like China's doing or trying to do. However, I think anything else is simply just like free market innovation that benefits the individual or society. And that kind of stuff is going to lead to Jeff Booth's idea of like deflationary technology and just abundance for everyone. But it's it, it is interesting to think about like, what is playing God and what's not? And where do you kind of draw that line? Because it is arbitrary and very subjective. But again, value is subjective and we depend on that subjective value for society to continue to prosper because Austrian econ and all that shit. So I mean, I it, could, it could be, I did it also could be miss like the entire, I, yeah, I could. I did also miss the entire conversation like hours before this, so I'm just like riffing off of. What well, I mean, we, we weren't so much talking about that specific thing for that long, um, but I don't know. I that, that I'm just saying my instinct or my intuition is like as tempting as it is. It just like neur the things like Neuralink, um, you know, and I and I get like I, again, I I would love to have more storage. I'd love to have more bandwidth uptake. And uh, the, the upload download bandwidth, right? I'd love to uh, intake a whole bunch of a whole bunch of information, and I'm not going to be able to learn everything in this lifetime. And you know, there's a lot of things that I want to know because I'm a very curious person. Um, and then I can have like higher level conversations with people and, and like just recall it from my own memory. Like that'd be great. But at the same time, it, it 
it there there's something in the back of my head that's like this this seems like something that there's a it's a point of no return and it, it has this kind of like eerie feeling of like taking the forbidden the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil like it, it i i can't i you know if i'm being totally honest that's that's what's in my head but uh uh, but also, um, on another note, uh, we're gonna have to start winding it down because uh, we are we are headed to Tom Woods tonight to his uh, two thousand episode in Orlando. Yeah, that's right. Nice. Well, so maybe like I don't know if anyone had any thoughts they wanted to like get out or start discussing or maybe like I mean, uh, you know like you guys can carry on in another space and we'll be doing this like every Saturday. We're gonna try to do this every Saturday. Um, Towards the middle of the day in the afternoon, um, around uh, I believe around twelve Eastern, or maybe maybe one Eastern, sometime sometime around then. Dope. I did just want to say, like on that note, that I think anyone could have made the same argument for the internet. I mean, they probably did. Like they were going to do all this bad shit with, with the internet or like any other technology, whether it be. A horse and buggy to a fucking car or an airplane. I, I think Socrates was was bitching about the written word, like, ah, oh, we need we need oral, oral history and all that stuff. But I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, though, Matt. But like, you know, maybe this is a little bit not great because, like, you know, ultimately, like, you know, I feel like one thing that religion has failed to keep up with is the cha- changing human condition due to technology. Like, your know, birth control fundamentally changed what it means to be human in terms of. Um, what what options people have and, and um you know i guess the consequences of birth and stuff or consequences of sex and um they did not do a very good job adapting to that technological change of, of humanity and i feel like uh going like neuralink like that would that will fundamentally change what it means to be human that if our bandwidth is increased by you know even it's increased by 10x you know if you think about it that way like if we were organized in the same ways we do socially and then we put in Neuralink and all of a sudden everyone has Neuralink, well now instead of your Dunbar, Dunbar number being about 200, you know, that goes to 2000, you know, because now you can keep, because you can process that much more information in and out as far as who, who you should trust and everything. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, it is a fundamental mode switch and ultimately like it, it could lead us to like some board level shit. That's like, you know, the dissolution of the individual into some more, um, greater structure. But, you know, you could say the same thing about religion to some degree that, you know, we're all plugged into this larger hierarchy, but we're all instantiating the same program. But, you know, if we have a way to communicate, that's 10 times more efficient. It, that, kind of changes the dial on how we can coordinate uh, with each other. And, and, and you know, it, there could be whole new ways that we could um, organize ourselves. Like, they say, um, oh, shit. Um, yeah, they say, like, you know, uh, a uh, startup is like the largest group of people that can hold the same exact idea in their head or the same vision in their head. Because like, if you're trying to execute wicked fast, you don't have time for debate. You know, you have to fully get on board with the same. And this is why I think, um, 
religion is is so good because like you don't have these arguments because you're already on the same page. But you can really say like a startup is a cult in that everyone's very focused on this one goal and executing on that goal. And they were all uh, exactly in tune with each other in that uh, there is no debate on direction and there's not to waste time communicating what the vision is or clarifying where you're going because everyone already has that um, innate in their understanding of what they're doing. But, you know, it's not, you, don't, you have no that communication overhead. Yeah, I almost feel like preventing someone from creating something is almost, you know, a nap violation, if you think about it, or it's sort of aggressive. And, again, any technology that is created, you people are going to do great shit with it, and people are going to do bad shit with it. And at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, how you use that tool. And shit, I was going to make another point. Fuck it, I don't know. Yeah, but, I, you know, I, I, I'll push back on that a little bit, though, because, like, uh, technology is getting insane. Like, our technology's power is, is outstripping our, um, you know, wisdom to not use it. Oh, I remember. Sorry, go uh, ahead. Uh, no, no, yeah, yeah, go. Oh, well, I mean, it's just like... <laughs> You know, it's almost very status to prevent something from happening if it's grassroots from the ground up, from the market, because it's like if you stop that from happening because of fear of what might happen of like this unknown. Well, sure, there's that unknown, but it's also preventing like the seen and the unseen. You don't know what great benefits are going to come from this thing. But, yeah, because some yeah. bureaucrat, and I'm not like calling anyone here like a bureaucrat, but just because well, my state is bureaucrat, I thought it was like a good idea to not let this out in the open and wild. I mean, if they said that to begin with, it was probably because it was that good of an idea, and it would probably put them at at all at odds. It was probably a threat to them. So I don't know. Like, there's going to be good and bad in, in everything, and I I just feel like it's it's limiting the expression of your ideas uh, not to get into like a debate on, um, uh, you know, if uh, like, like, like uh, intellectual property, not to get into that debate, but preventing somebody from acting and what they're thinking, it, 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 it's just kind of like coercive. It's well, okay. Yeah, you know, I, I nothing good can really come from it. But I, I think there can be, because, like, it comes down to, like, at what point do we give people the ability to do great harm? Like, you know, I, it's like, okay, I'm you know, very much, like, pro, you know, gun, pro, like, I think we should have a lot more access to even cooler tech and shit. Like, you know, if we're going to be a well-regulated militia to, like, defend our country, we should have all sorts of tech to do that, you know? But well, at what point does it stop? Like, if we give everyone a tactical nuke, like, the number of, like, total psychopaths are completely off the rocker in like a city like LA, like LA would be vaporized within a day because just the density of nukes and the density of crazy people, the blast radius is, is larger uh, than the spar- uh, sparsity of the, the crazy people, you know? And I, I think biotech is another one of these places, but like with CRISPR and stuff, like for you know, 50 bucks in your garage, you can, you know, engineer super COVID, you know, like if you know what you're doing. Um, but hopefully people that know what they're doing aren't that fucking crazy. 
But the thing is, like, there is, I think, good arguments to be said. They're like, yeah, maybe, you know, we should prevent people from doing things because there's just absolute bad from that. But, but do you have all the information to know it's going to yield a negative result? That's the problem. Nobody has all the information to know this shit. You don't. Like, accidents are going to happen. You're going to have to take risks. Like, that's hey, what an entrepreneur is, but that's what being an entrepreneur is yeah, all about, but, but taking what's, risks. What's the benefit? Like, you know, okay, I could... You don't it. know the benefits yet. <laughs> Someone's but, hypothesizing there's going to be benefits. Okay, Someone's I'm, hypothesizing I'm gonna there's like going to be a negative. COVID-19 thing in a lab, because... Well, the benefit I might figure out how to stop it if we if it would ever happen in the wild. But well, yeah, but that was it. like a state-funded operation. Yeah, but and I'm, what I'm the saying state is ultimately a massive bureaucrats that don't get shit done is, is a highly deflationary thing. Yeah, and and the thing is like the the cost of re, of, of changing the world like ultimately like that's the thing the, the cost for changing the world around us in larger ways has gotten cheaper and cheaper, and technology keeps giving us returns on that. That while now it's not necessarily um, really feasible for someone to do that, give it 50 years. That, what happens if we can all start editing our genes with CRISPR, and then we, that also means making artificial life where, hey, we can, we can CRISPR fucking the old COVID-19 and you'll bring that out into like COVID-2030, you know? And, and it's a super killer instead, you know? Uh, like, the technology will always make these things cheaper, and at some point, we're going to hit this floor of how co- how cheap things are to do, that even if you're retarded or fucking psychopathic, you could still get a hold of the materials to do just immeasurable harm. And especially on the bio side of things, that, you know, as far as, like, attack vectors and defense, like, virology is really tough. Until we have, like, fucking micro-machines and shit like that, but, like, you know, it's a scary future. And the thing is, like... The asymmetry of cost versus damage is, is just out there. Yeah, but I think there's going to be ground up regulations put in place to prevent that from happening. Like shit, maybe you'll even need like a license or some like proof that you. I mean, do you think that anyone will be able to just like become a fucking doctor? Like now, aside from like telemedicine and like <laughs> virtual like medicine, like they talk about in the cyber uh, cyber individual, the sovereign individual where people use, like, robots, like, remotely to do surgery on someone. Like, forget that. Well, probably AI, honestly, but... um, Okay, yeah, that too, but still, like, there's going to be... There's going to be... Hold on, there's there's going to be be proper regulations to put in place here. You know, get the government out of it. Like, why do you think healthcare is so fucking... No, it doesn't have to be the government regulations. Fuck the government. There's going to be... Oh, yeah, I'm I'm down with certification bodies and stuff, but it's up to, you know, the market to decide. I know, that's what I'm saying. The market, from the ground up... From these for these industries are going to create regulations around things, and they're not everybody's going to be fucking like crispering babies in the garage. Like, okay, I, maybe I could be wrong about that, but but, still, but like, the thing is, there's going to be hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, chill. There's going to be reasonable shit that, that gets passed. You know, like I think this is what like Hoppe like envisions, or like anybody that thought about like a society of balkanizing. I mean, like, as much as we hate regulations, like, I think there is such a good thing, such a thing called good regulation. It's just when, like, the state is involved and is too bureaucratic, shit gets out of hand. But there's going to be rules that are set in place. Yeah, I'm very pro-Hopian. I I think that's, I think that is reasonable, but it still comes down to, uh, with this balkanization and the fact that something like, you know, a virus or something could be engineered, 
I mean, it's really just uh, this one specific case is where it gets really rough because if things are balkanized and we can all voluntarily do our own thing, but someone's outside your jurisdiction, what do you do? Go invade them because they're not the proper regulation because someone might do something dangerous and they're not going to be able to stop it due to the regulatory environment? Like, wait, wait, wait. Why would you go invade someone? Well, because, like, because you can manufacture a virus in your own, own, you know, little state or whatever that you don't have those right regulations to stop people from doing that. And they can create something that could cause just untold harm to the entire world because that's the nature of virology. You know, like, it, it's hard to, it, it's impossible, it's almost impossible to, to really wipe out and, and stop from spreading if it gets out there. And, you know, if even one state doesn't have those regulations, if someone's out there to do something like that, um, you know, they put the entirety of the rest of the states in in, uh, in jeopardy, which I guess with strong border control and everything else like that, like, there might be ways to stop it, but, you know, it's, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a bad hypothetical, but I could see there's things... Yeah, I don't think this hypothetical lastly. works, frankly. Uh, as, a non, as a non-doctor scientist piece of shit, I don't think this works. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The, the virology shit just scares the shit out of me, so... Um, I, I don't know. It's, 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 just, it's such an asymmetric thing because, like, it's relatively easy to get started at with, you know, um, editing genes and doing things that you can't really can't really stop easily. That right? it's a little sketch, but yeah. Sure, but if it's so easy, don't you think that shit would have already happened? Oh, I mean, not yet because it's the tool. The tooling isn't there yet. It's like you need to be pretty fucking smart to be able to do something with damage. Right? I now. thought you said it's there. No, like the like cost wise, it is, but like knowledge wise, um, like I'm just saying, like extrapolate the stuff out 10, 15 years, like this is actually a real problem, and there aren't really easy, good solutions. I mean, like if we can't stop 3D printed guns, which I don't think we should, um, like how the fuck are we gonna stop, you know, CRISPR edited life forms? It's the same shit, oh. same story. Okay, well, where's the gap of accessibility to this gene editing shit? Versus 3D printed guns. Um, well, it's mostly a knowledge gap. Like 3D printing is pretty straightforward to do. Like you know, a couple afternoons to figure it out. Um, but like, right. So if there's a knowledge gap and like the Pareto distribution is going to be a fucking thing for the rest of eternity. So there's only going to be a minority of smart people that know how to yeah. use this shit. But like, and okay, I, I, and I, I, it, hold on, hold on. And, and if it exists right now. And they have the ways and means to get this shit. Why hasn't there been a m- another freak viral pandemic or some shit? Well, or why not, hasn't there been like a, it's a matter of exposure. direct like bio warfare aside from pandemic the COVID thing? I got my first three D printer like fifteen years ago. I'm not talking about 3D printers. I'm talking no, about no, no, someone no, creating like yeah. a bioweapon. Yeah, but this is relevant. If people are smart enough and have the ways and means, why, have it, why hasn't it been done No, because the, the, the crazy people who want to fucking blow up the world aren't smart enough to figure this shit out yet. And what I'm saying okay, is so that what are you worried about? 3D printing was kind of a son of a bitch to go. There's like a lot of fucking shit you had to go through, a lot of manual crap. Like you need to be somewhat of a tech dude to figure it out. A lot of fucking around, a lot of experimentation. Like, there was a million different things. There weren't good suppliers. The machines were shipped, and you had to do all this tweaking and upgrades and all this crap just to get the thing to freaking print. Like, having a successful print was like, oh, yeah, I had 
no fuck ups. Like that was like it took you forever to dial on a machine. It was so much more fuckery. And nowadays you can buy a machine for a fraction of the cost that works a hundred times better and the tooling's a million times easier. And so now this is why you're seeing everyone starting to 3D print guns, you know, or at least that's a, a much more common common thing that you just didn't see before because those types of people weren't the ones that are going to sit there and fidget with the fucking thing for, you know, a week or two just to get a decent print on something that's, you know, of marginal quality anyway. But now the quality's gone up, the, the price has dropped, and the ease of use has gone up, and the amount of fucking around you have to do is, is, is vastly simpler. And this is exactly what I'm saying, that we aren't there yet. Like, the cost-wise, it's actually not that expensive to do gene editing and shit, but, you know, to, like, probably make a large enough batch of it to do some damage, probably be a lot more. I don't you know all the specifics of it, but my point is, is that that tooling is only going to get easier going forward, and we're going to run into the same problem. But instead of, you know, a gun for self-defense, you have, oops, I fucked up and made COVID-20, you know? Like, that's, that's all I'm yeah, That's why I brought up But again, you can make this argument for any other new piece of technology. Yeah. And so we're just, like, jacking off to doom porn right now. I'm just saying that's the only 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 thing that I would be concerned about is in terms of uh, you know what's going on or, or as far as like preventing people from creating things because that was the original question like you know is it is it is it okay to prevent somebody to create a thing and you know but that same tech could you know come up with ways to fucking you know cure all sorts of diseases and stuff too but. Uh, the asymmetry of the amount of damage you can produce is, is pretty pretty far out there. I don't think this is the kind of shit that will be open sourced and accessible, like three D printed stills or whatever are or CAD files. I mean, I I don't know. Again, I can't. I don't have a crystal ball myself, so this is just with the gut feeling. But I don't know. It sounds very doom porny to me. But it's a good point. It's a Can good I, point. Like I mean, like all good Bitcoiners, you have to think of like the worst possible thing that could happen and prepare for it. Can I interject? Yeah. So it sounds like everyone is, or not everyone, but uh, let's see, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, man. I'm a little sick right now, but I'm listening. Oh shit! Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, that's me talking. COVID test, so I, I think I'm good. But anyway, long story short is you know ever since the beginning of man, Cain, Abel, they kill each other. We're always gonna have good and evil. People are gonna want to hurt each other, even in a Bitcoin uh, standard. So. The bottom line is learn how to protect yourself, build your citadel with others that think like you, and go from there. That's pretty much all I wanted to say. 100%. That's all the yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, you know, oh, again, you can't, you can't be paranoid about shit that could happen, but you don't know for sure. Because, again, you don't have all the expertise and the knowledge and yep. trying to keep some keep the genie out of the bottle, like no disrespect, man, but that's how tyrants are made. Yeah, fucking that's how Anakin. You know, we re- relate back to Star Wars. He thought he was doing everything, but he was just so 
traumatized and paranoid about fucking this vision dream, this fear he had that he made up in his head. Uh, aside from like Palpatine, like manipulating his thoughts or whatever, but not to get too nerdy, but he thought he was doing the right thing because he just had this vision that shit was going to get bad and he was fucking wrong and he lost his arms and legs and got fucking burned to a crisp and he felt like a piece of shit for the rest of his life until he died. Um, so yeah, like you, yep. you can't let the genie, the genie's going to get out of the bottle either way. Just like how Bitcoin got out of the bottle. That's right. So then what you have to do is learn to defend yourself, uh, find the right people to build your citadel with, and hopefully you can build a peaceful society that way and defend yourself from tyrants. Anyway, I'm going to head out, guys. I'm free about the cough. Talk to you later. Hey, man, get well soon. Thanks, man. Bye. Take some some ivermectin. Get it. I'm begging for it. Okay. Bye. Smell you later. Pun intended. I'm going to do it. People with COVID can't smell. Trust me. I'm coming in a little little midway in y'all's conversation, but on a hobby of mine, I I breed and train um, protection dogs, band dog mastiffs. So there's a community surrounding that endeavor. And there's a guy, David Aishi. He got a a CRISPR kit in his um, garage or whatever, set up a little little shop. And uh, I, I believe he was in petroleum engineering before that. And so for him, it was kind of a hobby. He stumbled upon gene editing and making glow-in-the-dark jellyfish and just weird little things. And um, so you can actually find the guy on Netflix. He was part of a documentary about biohackers and these people that are doing gene editing and kind of testing it on themselves. And so, I mean, it's an activity that the thing about humanity is we feel our way through the dark with all, all technology, technological advances, right? Like sometimes people get hurt. Sometimes things get thing, bad things happen. Um, unfortunately we can't stifle innovation simply to protect the masses. Right. Cause I mean, until we realize something's a threat, it's not really a threat. And, you know, just like Bitcoin, with, you know, imagine if they would have treated the Internet like they do Bitcoin. I mean, now, granted, there were a lot of naysayers in the beginning of the Internet. You know, I'm a little over 40 years old, so you know, I was right there at the onset of when people were like, oh, what's this thing you get on and dial up and, you know. And for a while there, the Internet was free, right? You could get versions of the Internet that didn't cost you anything. It became corporatized. So as we see uh, adaptation of technologies, when you know people will be able to pick and choose the the genders of their babies. Now, will there be ramifications down the line that we that are unforeseen? Yeah, I mean, if we look back in history, time will tell. Time will tell us that yes, most likely, you know, if you were going to bet money on it, things are probably going to get screwed up somehow. We're going to come come. We're great at it. We'll come in there and find something awesome, and then we'll find a way to screw screw things up with it. So, um, it's scary to think about, you know, and if, moreover, if, if we've had this technology available to us now, then it, one could suspect that the people that are in the ruling class have had access, uh, to these technologies for a hundred percent. I mean, that's the benefit of like being in the elite and the establishment and the Cantillon effect. If you got access to the money spigot, 
or you know if you're part of Davos or whatever the fuck, you have access to this shit. Like you don't even go to a normal doctor. You probably go to some like Russian guru and. Himalayans or something, and he like cracks his knuckles and he pops your back and he makes you drink some like goat semen or something, and you're fixed. Yeah, he rubs on a rings a ball, puts it over your head, and hits it one time with a little mallet. Exactly. I mean, you, can, you can bet the CEO of Monsanto's kids eat grass fed beef. <laughs> I can exactly. promise you, somewhere if you look, it's probably patented somewhere though, buried but patented. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we patented that technology. No one can. You can't put a bowl on your own head and hit it with a hammer. Hey, yo, Allie, Allie, Allie. Yeah. See, you're you're in Houston. Why haven't yeah. I not seen you at the Houston Bitcoin meetup? Uh man, you know, I've got five kids and two of them. Bring them. Uh, man, you know the thing is, one of them, uh, two of them are real bad asthmatics. They've already been hospitalized for asthma oh. breathing issues. So, you know, we have elected. You know, as a parent, you got to make the right choices for your kids because they can't make choices for themselves right so since she can't articulate what is you know because she'd eat candy all day right and drink soda pop if she could she doesn't understand what healthy is so i'm gonna uh while i have been going out recently i'm in the was leaving the oil and gas industry and um in 2019 we had uh, a caravan of folks from our company that went to singapore and china and came back a lot of Chinese investors in oil and gas and um, we all kind of got sick in November of 19 like late November just uh, November December just have a because when they got back we did a Thanksgiving thing so I don't know for all I know we've already it's already ran through the system here but I'm just gonna let it kind of run its course but I I was at the Texas blockchain summit in Austin and I plan on doing the little thing in the woodlands I guess on the 19th Oh, right. I do know what that was. But, no, my mom got sick at the end of uh, November. Oh, shit. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, never mind. I saw some weird weird shit on my screen. I didn't know if Spaces was dying or something. But, yeah, no, my mom got super sick in, like, late 2019. And then she and my dad both got COVID again. So, no, good looking out. And especially if your kids have asthma. I mean, my dad had asthma as a kid. And because of that... That's kind of why he got hit really bad with uh, COVID and bronchitis, and he had to go to a ICU. So he's fine now, but you know, good looking out for your kids and shit. Hey, speaking yeah, I, of eating grass-fed beef, bro, that uh, that really, from some anecdotal evidence, shows that can really help with asthma, especially for kids. Really? Yeah, dude, just get them off like all the fake food, man. Just like feed your kids. Like sounds hardcore, but if you just feed your kids straight up beef for like a month or two, you might notice a lot of issues fade away. Well, we're we're in the process now. I had a small aquaponics system at my old house, and we moved into this one. My son was born with a cleft lip and palate. It's a long ass story, but trips to uh, Memorial Hermit or uh, Texas Children's Medical Center, and uh, pretty much living down there. So I'm just now getting shit back together and then I got laid off from my job in oil and gas because that's the nature of the beast in oil and gas. You know, they're only good as long as you can make them as much money as possible. The second you, you know, automation kind of came in and made my utility. I'm a cartographer by trade. I made maps. So uh, I'd like to get, we have rabbits right now. I wanted to start a small rabbitry. We got a, a Flemish giant now. I plan on getting another one and using rabbit 
protein, both for my canids and for myself, limit the protein intake and kind of increase vegetative intake. Make you know, if, I could, if I could just interject here real quick, um, you know, I, I agree with, I think it was Moses who was saying, um, you know, the, I, it, if your kids have any sort of uh, like health problem, it is seriously worth considering putting them on like a very strict carnivore diet for like a month or two, because there's a very good there's a very good chance, not a hundred percent chance, but there's a very good chance that their systems drastically improve, if not even go away. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to work, but there's it. I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I would probably put it at over a 50% chance that it works. You know, I, that, I couldn't, uh, you know, I can look into that, but I, I can't imagine why a change of diet wouldn't, you know, have... It's bizarre. L- listen, I, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, right? Like, so my family has a lot of autoimmune disorders in the family, uh, and I've had, like, a lot of just, like, weird autoimmune systems and uh, symptoms my, my, my kind of, like, whole life, especially, like, as I've been getting older. Um, and you know, I generally just kind of like avoid going to doctors in general. So I, you know, I've never like bothered to like try to get anything diagnosed or anything, but, um, I don't eat a hundred percent strict carnivore, um, at the moment, but I kind of like fluctuate between like strict carnivore and like semi strict carnivore. And I mean, personally, like, like my symptoms have gotten tremendously better, if not entirely gone away. Um, and I know a lot of people who have, uh, you know, all sorts of, uh, of physiological disorders that can say the same. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Jordan Peterson, but like him and his family uh, have all suffered from really severe autoimmune disorders uh, for their whole lives. And they've gone to a strict carnivore diet, like literally nothing but beef and salt, which I think is probably the best way to go. Um, like literally, literally nothing but beef and salt. And it's, it's hard to say why, you know, cause you, your, your, your point was like, you know, it's hard to imagine how like eating nothing but meat could like fix asthma, for example. Right. Like it sounds kind of retarded. I mean, no, lungs no, no, too, I dude, could, just I, eating lungs alone no, will have a huge I, impact. Actually, um, no, I, I, I can, I can subscribe to that train of thought simply for the fact that my daughter, um, she had real bad eczema, right? And so we had taken her to a dermatologist, dermatologist, you know, one out the other, skin specialist, this, creams that, rub this on, put this on, you know, this thing over it while she sleeps, whatever, whatever. And um, <clears throat> she had uh, some breathing issues, and my mom insisted that we take her to an allergy doctor. So we took her to this allergy doctor, and they did the panel test, and they found out that she was allergic to eggs and milk. So we stopped giving her eggs and milk, and, you know, f- for one, she stopped complaining that her stomach hurt, right? Like, and which is weird because she would always say, I don't like, I don't like, you know, and she was, even when she was young, she didn't particularly care for eggs when we cooked eggs in the morning um, and, or milk in her cereal, things like that. She wanted it just dry. And so we stopped all dairy, you know, I mean, 100%, because I don't really drink it anyways. And, you know, so we just cut out eggs and milk. Eggs were cleared up within two months. I mean, completely gone. Hey, sorry, I muted everybody by accident. That was not my intention. I meant to do a 100 emoji. Typical. But yeah, dude, it, it, I, by the way, Ali, uh, I don't know if it's Ali or Ali, but um, I DM'd you uh, a video I strongly urge you to watch. It's, it's, it's Michaela Peterson on the Joe Rogan Experience talking about how the, the carnivore diet literally, bro, saved her life. Like this chick was, yeah, this girl was insanely ill, um, 
Uh, I'm sorry, what did you say, Ronan? Is this like new Atkins diet from the 90s or something? Uh, well, no, I mean, you know, I, I, I hear people draw comparisons to it sometimes, um, but it's not really any kind of like, quote-unquote, diet in that sense. It's just strictly eating meat. Like, it's very straightforward. It's just literally eating meat and, for what, and, and salt. You have to eat salt. You need meat and salt, and those are the only two things that you really need. And if organs help, too, and water can help. <clears throat> what was that? Eating organs, like if you eat organs from a healthy animal, um, it's actually proven that those those molecules in that organ go to your corresponding organ. They literally like get turned into you because it's easier if you think about it. Like if the molecular structure of a tree, right? or a plant, it's harder for your body to like convert that molecular structure back into like a, a mammal structure, which is what we are. So like eating mammals, like red meat, specifically healthy organs, and this is traditional knowledge. Um, it, all, a lot of traditional people is like the first thing you do when you kill an animal is eat the liver raw and warm, right? Like it, it's, it's where traditionally we got our nutrients from. Yeah, definitely eat organs. And the other thing is, you know, if you're, if you're able to afford it, you know, try to buy as much grass-fed beef as possible as opposed to, like, commercial beef. Like, definitely, uh, like, it, it is more... As, if you're going at this from, like, a health perspective, right? Like, you have kids that have health problems that you're trying to solve. You know, it's it, it's tempting to buy, like, the cuts of meat that you really want. Like, you know, like, ribeyes or T-bones or whatever, right? But, like, if you're, if you're coming at this specifically from the health purpose, um, you know, and you're trying to, you know, budget Junk enough that said... You know, I, I, I know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know you said you have a family of five, um, plus you and, and, you know, presumably your wife. Um, you know, if, if you're buying for a whole family, obviously, like, you know, cost effectiveness is important. So, like, look for, like, like grass-fed ground beef. Like Moses said, grass-fed chuck roasts, you know. You Make know, bone broth, man. Bones are usually free. Well, not, not not in America, they're not. But bones, bones and organs are often significantly cheaper than the actual meat. Um, you know, figure it out. In fact, I can all. I, like I said, I, I DM you that video. I'll also DM you uh, this company that I buy all my meat from, and they ship to you know pretty much the entire continental U.S. So if, if you're in the U.S., you can probably order from them, uh, and they have really, really, really good pricing on on good quality beef. Um, yeah, it, it's it's worth trying, man. There, there's no guarantee it'll work, but there's a very strong chance. Like I would, since I would seriously put it over over a fifty percent probability that it will work. Hey, you know, anything's worth trying because you know it sucks when they, you know, and that was the the whole thing about COVID. You know, and that's why I really I even reached out to him, and I have a friend here in Houston that you know he's a geneticist. As a matter of fact, his his labs was one of the ones that the CDC had, had first tasked when they were doing all their testing here in Houston. And so he's based out there in the Galleria. And, uh, I, you know, I was over there talking to him, having a barbecue. And I was like, Hey man, you know, like, you know, I'll, you know, just, just between you and me, I was like, you know, what, he goes, you know, what do you think of this thing? You know, could it be manufactured? He goes, man, it's hard to tell now because, you know, before the technology was kind of, uh, clumsy, you know, it's easy to tell what was not, synthetic and what was and you know there's a lot of weird things that you follow like you know the the money if you follow the money for the wuhan laboratories and you know china and and harvard and you know and the, the sad thing about it is man it's, unless there's a species of a uh, subclass of human being that lives for like four or eight hundred years what the fuck is the point man we only get 70 
you know, 80 years and really out of that, like, I'm telling you, at, at 40, I'm telling you, the first 30 of them, great. After that, it starts to get questionable. It's like having a car that's more than 10 years old. You're like, yeah, any day now. It could be. Dude, go look up Dr. Sean Baker uh, on, like, Instagram and YouTube yes. and stuff. And this guy's, like, in his 50s, man, and he's, like, a world record holder. He beats, like, Dude, the guy five-year-olds. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, literally, like, one of the most jacked human beings you'll ever see. And he's just, like, he just eats, like, I don't know, five pounds of meat a day. It's And, he, and he's, a, he's a medical doctor. Like, he's an actual, like, not only is he a medical doctor, he's a combat surgeon. Like, he's, like, one of the most badass medical doctors that could possibly be. And he, like, you know, he benches, like, I don't know, something retarded, like, fucking 400 pounds or something. Oh, stupid. And like, he wasn't that way before meat. That's the important part. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he was, like, you know, just, like, kind of an average dude. You know, well, that makes you know, kind of average dude, and now he's, like, like legit, like, Superman, and he's just been eating nothing but meat for, like, I don't know, five or ten years. I mean, that makes sense. You've got to do something with all that protein you're bringing in, like... <laughs> dude, literally, like, he posts, like, workout videos on, like, fucking, like, Twitter and Instagram sometimes, and it's, like, it's, like, retarded to watch. Like, him just, like, swinging around these giant, like, heavy metal things. Like, not even, like, traditional weights. Like, he does all sorts of just, like, crazy fucking exercises, and you're just, like, what the fuck? Like, how does a human being do that? That sounds amazing. It reminds me, I guess I, there was an old guy at a gym here by my house that I was like, old, you know, old strong people. That shit's amazing to me. He's like, man, dude, like, he's, like, I didn't even like going in on the day that dude went. Cause I was like, man, this dude makes me feel some way about myself. Like, I'm pretty sure he just did his, uh, test for like, uh, coronated artery disease or whatever. And his, like, plaque count is like zero. And he eats like six oh, days for breakfast every morning. So. See, yeah, I, he like I, literally like he'll go to the, he'll go to the doctor and like take blood tests and like post them publicly on Twitter. So he's like he's very straightforward about like what's going into his body and like how his body's handling it. Like you know, and and there's a, there's a lot of people like this. There's a lot of uh, you know pro carnivore diet medical professionals who you know are kind of considered fringe, right? Because you know they're they're basically making the argument that a giant percentage of the professional, you know, medicine space is just rent seeking. And, you know, you don't actually need the, the majority of your doctors. You just need a good diet. Uh, so naturally there's a lot of incentives in place to kind of not promote these people. Right. But if you actually kind of try to look, you'll find that there's a lot of them. 50 years of eating shit food. It's kind of hard to just stop and go straight to something like that. Though. Look, it is, yeah. there's no doubt that it is. Look, my, my dad is, is in his mid seventies and you know, I, I, you know, came actually, I, I was living in another state and I came down here to, to kind of help him with, with, you know, living cause he was getting old and kind of ill and shit. And one of the things that I noticed was that his diet was just like all like kind of stereotypical, like American processed food. Right. So I just kind of like forced him to throw away all of his food and, you know, get real food and eat primarily meat. I wasn't, you know, able to convince him to eat 100% meat, right? You know, the guy's in his fucking 70s. He's not going to come around that hard, right? But I convinced him to eat pretty much nothing but meat and vegetables. And his health has improved tremendously despite what his doctors would have said. You know what I mean? Like all, all this time he's had all these fucking heart doctors and this doctors and that doctors. And nobody ever told him like, hey, you should eat more meat. No one. Not a single fucking person. And in fact, many of them told him he needs to eat less meat. And I was like, listen, like, you're fucking dying anyways. You might as well listen to me. Like, I'm not your doctor. I'm your son. I actually give a shit about you. Like, just fucking try it. And son of a bitch, it worked. Well, I hope I have a son like that. Hey, bro, I posted in the nest. And I also tagged you in the uh, post. But check out that website. Yeah, will do. Yeah, that's Sean Baker's website, right? 
Yeah, meetrx.com. He's got like a ton of like uh, uh, testimonials and stuff on there. Yeah, I've taken the time over the COVID. You know, that was one good thing that came of all of it is getting the opportunity to do some self reflection. You know, like kind of be like, well, you know, what do I what do I want out of life? You know, this is good. everything kind of took a pause, right? Life was moving kind of quick, and it was like there was a you know a yellow flag on the on the track, right? Like everybody got a chance to kind of just sit and take a lap. So, but so I, I downloaded an app called um, Blip Blop or uh, I think it's Blip Blop, but it just sounds a bell every hour and I set a little schedule. So when the ship bell goes off, I've got to give myself 25 push-ups. And at first it was kind of difficult because I'd be in some awkward places and I'd, you know, and I had to tell myself, well, like, well, fuck all these people. They're not living my existence, right? I've made a contract with myself. And I'm going to give myself these 25 push-ups. If I'm driving and I can't get it done within half an hour, then I'll, I owe myself 10 on top of my 25. So, you know, it's, it's just about staying on path. And it, it's a little easier with kids, especially with my kids there. They hear the bell, and they're like, Dad, that was push-up time. So I'm like, even the time I really don't want to do them, like, I'm like, now it's not just the contract I have my, myself. It's also showing my kids that, you know, it's dedication and, and choosing to make an active uh, difference in your life, right? And really, I guess that's what Bitcoin's about too, right? Like making the decision like, hey, I see the system's broken. You know, I've been following crypto for a very long time. I've, all, you know, I've, I've followed finance for, you know, I, I born October 29th, I had the fortunate uh, opportunity to have, every time they had one of them books like this day on your birthday was always the Black Tuesday, the stock market crash. So um, it always made me wonder like, hey, how does all, how does money go how does, you know, the whole stock market crash, why do people jump out of buildings? You know, especially when I was younger, I never understood, you know, why somebody would jump out of a building because they lost their money. And um, it just, you know, it, it attracted me. I never really got into it. I had, you know, people that I, close in my network that were like, you know, legacy finance people. Their parents have been in it for a long time. There's, you know, Series 7 traders. They're, they, you know, they're like, oh, man, it's a Ponzi scheme. Don't do it. And so I, I didn't really buy in about 2013. I was like, you know, what, fuck it. In 2012, 2013, I started mining. By that point, it really wasn't profitable to mine Bitcoin. Did some Litecoin, um, kind of meandered about. But I'd always proselytized and spoke the, the accolades of Bitcoin because I see the inevitability, one, of it, right? Like it is the next evolution of the Internet. And, it, and I, the same people that are naysayers of the Bitcoin revolution are the same mindset of people that said the internet was just a fad and it would be nowhere but you know that's what people were saying in the 90s you know like, oh, joking about it like oh you're gonna sit there because you know, right it was you know there was some um adaptation curve that necessary you know once you got the hundredth monkey that was it and you know, now everybody uses it. you if the internet went out and like it almost facebook went out the other day people i'm surprised people didn't jump from buildings so it's you know for me it it, it it's seen, I've seen the ability for us to uncouple from the necessity of having an intermediary to keep their thumb in all of our money and give us the ability to do peer-to-peer barter-type transaction on our own terms without getting you know, bent over the barrel every time we want to exchange money and everybody in our business. So I, you know, I, I'm, all the people that I like to get on the crypto or the Bitcoin, and let them explore the technology, and let them, you know, tell them like, look, there are other altcoins out there. 
No yeah, crypto. So, Bitcoin. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, here's the the thing is, you have to if you just ignore the elephant in the room, then nobody, you know, like you have to talk about it and tell them, like, look, if you are going to get into, you know, alternative currencies that are alternative projects or whatever you want to call it, whatever, you know, uh, title you want to give it, understand that fundamentally it's all about Bitcoin. If you don't understand that it will end up being the world reserve currency, it will be the denomination or layer one money then you aren't seeing the big picture. Even if now you're still, you know, as we still considered, you know, this, oh, Bitcoin's hitting 65 and Bitcoin's hitting six, this, this, that, and the other, as long as we're considering it in a U.S. dollar term, we're not even really talking about it at its fullest potential. My only real fear is that maybe the world, the world governments will, like they did when they took us off the gold standard and be like, hey, you can't hold this. Now, granted, like, okay, you know, like I'm sure plenty of people held gold all the way through the times when gold was illegal to hold and, you know, and unburied their stash, you know, from their backyard, you know, a couple generations later or whatever. But, you know, I, I see the potential, you know, for my children, you know, through you know, unfortunate circumstances, you know, I had to sell a lot of my, my holdings and, um, and, you know, during the down, during the downtime between 18 and 19, and uh, so I'm trying to recoup my bags, and, and but I'm using alts to stack sats, right? Like if you're playing it right, you're stacking sats at the end of the day, even if you're in an alt market. Your your fundamental idea is not about, I'm not trying to stack U.S. dollars. Fuck dollars, that's a depreciating asset. Why would I want to stack that? I'm trying to get out of that. So, I mean, that's just, you know, my school of thought. Wait. I just assume that stacking the shit coins? currency markets are... Fucking total circus. Might as well just head to Vegas and throw your money at it because the rug pull's coming. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, the same thing can be said with a lot of, you know, again, I was around during the dot-com bubble, right? Like, I seen my, my dad made some good money. Like, I was a little young. I wasn't really investing at that time, but I watched him, you know, and he lost some money. There were some winners and losers in that. What I'm saying is, even for the people that, you know, because it, that's what, like, for example, even all the people that I've talked about Bitcoin to in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2015, 2017, all of them, you know, when they got started, fundamentally, most of them, even though I explicitly told them, don't get XRP. Don't get, you know. The, well, they're the, all following the coattails of Bitcoin. I mean, they're, they're just fucking trying to ride the coattails and get as much fiat as they can out of it. They're living in a fiat standard instead of thinking long term. Dollar cost average, keep your eye on the prize, build your citadel, rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, if if we consider that, you know, the whole ecosystem is going to run on Bitcoin, will the whole ecosystem run on, on Bitcoin? You know, will, will everything else, the inter, you know, that intertwines when, when you know, when my vehicle's title or my home's title, my property's title is all held on chain. What chain do we hold that on? Is it all going to be on Bitcoin blockchain? The base like, layer be what everything tags to. So we, so that it's all connected to, to one chain. I mean, you know, for me, like I see the futility in trying to, to fight the inevitability of change. Right, like, and that's the same thing with with all technologies. And you know, we look at even things like Blockbuster, right? Like, 
they were the prime example to to beat out nascent technologies that were coming out and and were going to be the next evolution. They just didn't see it. They thought they felt secure. So I know the financial system as we see it now is going to change, and most likely Bitcoin will end up being the world reserve currency. And, and there was an interesting book that I read uh, called Layered Money by Nick Batia, and you know, he put forth a pretty compelling argument as to why that will most likely be the case in you know in the next coming uh, decades. And so I'm excited to see where things go, and I'd be glad to see the Fed get their stinky hands out of our pot, man, start gambling with our money. When they when they bought it, when they bailed out the banks, that's what pissed me off, man. I was like, no, we, this is just bullshit, man. My kids are going to be paying off their debt. They gambled the money and then put made them, people get out of their houses, resold, it was just bullshit. So, you know, I see, unless we, unless we force change, it don't come. If you were a central banker, would you want to push Ethereum or would you want to push Bitcoin? Ethereum. I mean, obviously, they're going to push you know the alternative currencies because they're going to want to stack as much of the Bitcoin for themselves as they possibly can. Because in order to to facilitate as a layer one money, meaning that's where all other money derives its value from, then of course they want to hold all of it, just like they wanted to hold all the gold when they got off of you know uh, the and went on the gold standard and went on to the fiat standard. You know, they wanted to hold all the layer one money. They wanted to hold everything that had real value, and Bitcoin holds real value. You know, these CD, CBDCs, they're in inevitability, too. There's a package. Okay. Okay, sweet. Not if Pal has anything to do about it. As crazy as this sounds, it's really the, the EU, the ECB, and the Davos crowd trying to force central bank digital currencies and the Davos crowd that is over here in the U.S. However, as crazy as this sounds... There's another faction in the U.S. that Powell is a part of. It's a battle between global uh, European globalists and U.S. globalists. And when it comes to the U.S. globalists, there's people like Jerome Powell, who actually depends on the banks succeeding, because without the banks, the Fed doesn't have the power that it has to print money. And the EU crowd actually wants to destroy the banking cartel that the Fed has and they want everybody, the entire world to be on the EU central based digital currency because what the EU is trying to do is to reverse Bretton Woods where they want all the value suck to go into the European Union just like everybody was dependent on the United States after World War II for production and all this stuff. And so what Jerome Powell's actually trying to do is fight against the central bank digital currency that the EU wants to push and fight against the EU's attempts to destroy the dollar hegemony and the U.S. Fed banking cartel. And like, both of them suck, but you would rather probably have U.S. dollar hegemony than a central bank digital currency pushed by the EU and, and just get on their panopticon. And they're doing a lot of things. It, like, it's all like Anglican globalist bullshit, old money from Europe that really just kind of once had their globalist idea. And then you have like more like the hawkish neocon kind of people and corporatists in the U.S. that kind of want like the U.S. to be in charge of everything. 
So that's what Powell is. That's what side Powell is on, I would believe. And it makes sense because Powell is a private equity kind of guy. And those kind of people align with keeping this banking cartel going and, uh, you know, having being like shareholders of the Fed of each bank. And so he's, I can actually see what, like what happened was that I'm still trying to learn how this all works, but essentially it, over the summer when Powell increased the IOER uh, interest by, uh, uh, it was 50 basis points that basically forced a margin call on the EU. And basically what's happening is like this currency war back and forth between the EU and, and the US. So it's very, very interesting. But as as shitty as it sounds, and this won't last forever if Powell and like the Fed actually wins this battle, but we probably want to be on the side of of continuing dollar hegemony over a central bank digital currency stemming from the European Union, because that's really where the great economic forum and Davos bullshit really lies. And we'd much rather go with this like Fed Federal Reserve dollar hege- hegemony. Because it's it's things like Davos in the EU uh, that are causing folks like BlackRock to actually buy up all these assets because BlackRock is getting easy capital just as if they were a banking institution themselves. They're getting all this easy capital from the Fed uh, and and are benefiting from putting the, their treasury assets, parking that at the Fed and getting a huge yield on that because of the increase in, in basis points. But basically somehow when Jerome Powell increased it to like, you know, 0.05%, uh, the interest on uh, excess reserves that essentially uh, made the European Union uh, or the, the Euro really strong. And that's not really what you want in the currency war. So basically Jerome Powell is trying to save his skin and saying, fuck off EU. But uh, when when BlackRock is able to get in, that's a sure sign that not only it, essentially it was only the banks like the member banks like BOA, uh, JP Morgan, you know, City, all these banks were the ones that were able to benefit from this IOER uh, scheme when out of uh, Ben Bernanke's like tool belt that he was able to use. But now it's uh, people from Davos that are pressuring, I, I guess, putting pressure on the Fed and enabling people, people like BlackRock to take advantage of this. And so that's why you're seeing all these hedge funds going up and buying all these other single-family homes and uh, pricing out the middle class. So that is... That, that's what's going to change it all. Yeah. That's what's going to change. Yeah, and so once, that's going against like middle the, the corporate autocracy oh. kind of like private equity thing that Jerome Powell is all about. So for the next like two years, you probably want to be on team you probably want to be on team Fed slash U.S. dollar hegemony over uh, EU CBDC, but um, you also want to be on that side because Jerome Powell and others are saying we don't need a CBDC, and in fact, the market is actually making these better versions of CBDCs like Tether and USDC and shit, and that's going to be a more successful kind of bridge onto a Bitcoin standard. And then plus you're going to see balkanization. Like Florida, as sad as it is for me to say,
is actually leading the way in how you do how you do like quote unquote cryptocurrency or your state on Bitcoin. And you're gonna see uh, innovation like that. And that innovation dies if you're forced to live under a central bank digital currency. Yeah, I, I personally don't like the idea of the central bank digital currency simply for the fact that it gives them too much direct control and information. You know, I was listening to somebody speak the other day. I don't recall their name, but they were talking about, you know, that, that data is going to be mined just like they mine the data off of Facebook, right, where they're going to know exactly your spending habits, where, whom you spend time with, and be able to create sort of a an ability to be like, well, your body mass index doesn't meet our criteria. So, you know, you can't uh, buy that candy bar or you can't eat that dessert with your friends at dinner, right? Like they have direct influence over what you can and cannot spend your money on. I, I personally don't like that. Um, I'll, but at the same time, you know, what even got me onto the kick on Bitcoin was when during the financial crisis, I Googled how much money is there in the world, right? Like just totally what's this, cumulative sum of all the dollars. If you take everybody's currency and convert it to a U.S. dollar and give me a dollar amount, and I couldn't find that number. I was like, well, that seems like that'd be a number that we'd want to know, right? Like, So I was like, well, maybe I'm just shooting too high. Sorry, my kids are getting in the I got five kids, so anytime I got a chance to sit down, it's usually inside of a vehicle somewhere. And in this case, I'm posted up in my wife's van. But, um... You know, so for them to have that much direct control and influence over a person's, you know, day-to-day lifestyle choices, I, I don't agree with. But at the same time, I don't agree with them to be able to just print money out of thin air, you know, and put the bill on on us, right? Like, how is that the right way to do it? Just like well, they with the financial suck. crisis. They both suck, but you'd rather have the Fed over CBDC. And Bitcoin's going to win anyway. And Bitcoin's going to be, I guess, more... Like Bitcoin technology and innovation is going to be more hands off in the U.S. because it, I mean, they fucking hate that shit over in Europe. That's why you have Christine Lagarde, uh, you know, going against it and being very pro ESG, and it's people like her, like out of the Davos crowd, that are trying to influence money and hedge funds into kind of prep for the CBDC and new like financial regulations by making them like ESG compliant and everything. People, I guess if you want to call them like corporate patriots here, I guess. And again, all this shit's like new to me and I could be getting some of this shit wrong. So do your own research, of course, but I just don't see any of those constrictions flying as well. But again, it's all kind of like a, a competition for power and who, who comes out on top. And uh, yeah. Bitcoin comes out on top. Obviously. It may be crazy through the shift, but, uh, you know, people need to learn, understand it, (coughs) and uh, just stack sats. If you don't have them, get them, learn it. And that's what I've been doing. Oh, and run a node. 
and I'm a 50-year-old mechanical contractor. I'm not very computer literate. And for the past three years, I've been rabbit hole into Bitcoin and learning a lot about the financial system, this digital asset that is blowing my mind. It blows my mind every day. It's just uh, an amazing thing. I was just speaking with one of my other contractor buddies, and uh, I asked him, you know, you want to learn what Bitcoin's all about? Just load the Strike app real quick, and I'll pay you uh, via the Strike app, and you can see how quick it can be done. You can keep it on it or transfer it back into your bank. Either way, you'll see how fast it works. And I did that, and now he's going down the rabbit hole. Good for you, man. Spread it. We got to. It's the only way we win. And ultimately, we have to have sound money. And uh, right now, we just don't have sound money. It's fiat. It's fugazi. It's shit. It's stealing from us. It's I'm watching the guys that work for me struggle. You know, I'm teaching them about Bitcoin. And, you know, these are just, you know, young kids, families that, don't even understand the banking system. One of the guys that worked for me never even had a bank account. And uh, I taught him about Bitcoin. And, you know, it's great, too, the Strike app. You can uh, take uh, direct deposit into your app, which is freaking awesome. It's growing like fucking wildfire. It's going to be awesome. happened <laughs> I'm waiting to get off the clock personally <laughs> yeah, my kids came and started bothering me so I had to go deal with that <laughs> so anybody else here in Houston I'm a neighboring state <laughs> North, east, west? I'm just to the west of you in the center of it. Oh, nice. That's like, in the that's like a, little, a little over halfway to California. It, it, yeah, we're about as bad as California. It, it's funny because if, you, you know, if a person gets into a car in El Paso and starts driving to Los Angeles... And another person gets into a car and they drive to Houston, given the same speed and traffic conditions. Um, they both arrive in each of the locations about the same time. <laughs> uh, it's like 804 miles. 
I've never been to Houston. Been to Dallas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dallas, that's a... Uh, fuck Dallas. They're too close to Oklahoma, that's the problem. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, I'll even take Oklahoma over my state. <laughs> but I'm stuck here because family. Land, they call it the land of entrapment. Well, there's there's always, you know, in life there's always worse places to be and worse things to have done. Or, you know, things can always be worse. So I'm always thankful for what I got. I'm building the citadel. We're going to take this fucking state over. Hell yeah. More power to you, brother. We got a ton of natural gas. There's so much opportunity in, uh, up in north, uh, west uh, New Mexico. We produce tons of natural gas. Shit, there's my bell. Well, thanks. We'll talk at y'all later. Yo, we gotta run the space. Alright guys, yeah, take it easy. Be safe. Have a nice weekend. <laughs>